This is the Witcher podcast on TV podcast industries, and we're talking about the second half of The Witcher season two, episodes five to eight. When the conjunction happened, it wasn't just the elves, humans, dwarves, spheres of beasts collided too. Mages weaponized monsters, tried to conquer the lands with them, caused the monsters destroyed everything. Then, 300 years ago, Mages weaponized men, mutated them with elixirs, made them faster, stronger, brutal enough to kill the beasts. The wishes saved humanity from extinction. Welcome back, fellow Witchers. This is TV Podcast Industries. We're chatting about the second half of The Witcher Season 2, Episodes 5 to 8 on this week's podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Witchers. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this group of mutants, I am Chris. <laughs> mutants? Although, if there were X-Men, that'd be cool. It's Well, what is a Witcher except a kid who was subjected and imprisoned and <laughs> poisoned and mutated via vials of stuff and sent off to into battle much like an x-men uh kind of not, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure you've got your creation story of the x-men correct there chris but anyway <laughs> we are going to talk about the second half of the season if you haven't caught up on our podcast about the first half of the witcher season two make sure you go over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you'll get actually all three parts of our discussions so far on the witcher uh, season one and season two up there on the website uh, and we're going to discuss the other half of the season so make sure you've watched all of the witcher before you uh, jump into this second and final part of our discussions on the witcher what did you guys think overall on the on this half of the season? John, I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, I th- I thought this was really good. I, I I thought this was better than the first half. I think uh-huh. um, I love just how it culminated, all the threads coming together. And to be honest, I just think the whole season, anyway, they have crammed in a lot of just stuff. Yes, they action, have. broadening out the this world. Um, it was just really, really good. I, I think it's been a, a fantastic season. Absolutely. How about yourself, Chris? Similar. Uh, absolutely over the moon with how it went. If I, if anything, my complaint is it's too much. <laughs> um, they, 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 they crammed a lot of storylines, a lot of like to the point where it was, Sitting at the end going, okay, so where are we? We're here yep. and then this is going to happen and this, okay, but what, having to remember back certain parts, um, and who knew what. I completely forgot about one whole storyline from season one right. being in this part and I was like, they're sleeping together. Oh yeah, no, we knew that. Yep. Okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> it's also having to try and remember all the names oh, of yes. all the different characters. There's so many people. It's such a large cast. It, yeah, it's I'm crazy. going Bob one, Bob two, Bob three, <laughs> Mrs. Bob one, Mrs. Bob two. Um, it yeah, no, it, it and it's, it's not like they're easy names like Bob, Sue, Johnny. It's like Istrid and Inchefella. Yes. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, no. Until, unless I see you one more time or three more times, you're just... Absolutely. 
Uh, Bob one. <laughs> and there's a fair few characters who are only one or two letters difference uh, between their names as well. So Oof. some that I uh, I had mixed up um, as the season was going on. Uh, and two characters that look almost exactly the same to the point yeah. where John was checking the credits to see if it was a different actor playing two major roles in the season. <laughs> so uh, we will get to that. But let's get into our discussion about the first episode that we're discussing uh, for this section of the podcast. We are going to talk about the episodes pretty much separately. Not going to spoil anything about episode six in this discussion. But let's... Uh, Let's start off with episode five, Turn Your Back, the first episode of the second half of the season. Um, these series is based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski and by the game series uh, from CD Projekt Red. Showrunner of the show, Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich, once again to mention, we've covered her loads of times in this show. Uh, and I think we can say we're, we're, we really do like her work. She worked on Daredevil, The Defenders and The Umbrella Academy, as well as season one of uh, The Witcher as well. So uh, the show's in good hands. Yeah, certainly is. Um it's amazing you just unconsciously find this pattern where you're coming back to the same showrunner it's Mm -hmm. kind of like with comics as well you just end up going oh that's by brubacker as well or or, that's by fraction or whatever you know so really interesting how how these things pan out you know Absolutely. Um, this episode was directed by Edward Basilgate. Um, he directed four episodes of Peter Capaldi's run on Doctor Who and also directed six episodes of The Last Kingdom. We spoke about The Last Kingdom last Woo. week uh, on, on our previous episode. Uh, so another Last Kingdom director working on uh, on this show, which makes sense. There's a lot of connections there with uh, with what's going on in The Witcher. But interestingly, because I like to find interesting facts, he was also the guitarist for British band The Vapors, who had a one-hit wonder with turning Japanese in the 80s. Now, f- <laughs> fellow witchers, try and get turning Japanese out of your head, because uh, that's what I've been singing for the last three days since I learned that. Uh, but isn't that cool? I, it, it's almost like it's going around and around turning Japanese. There you go. I really think so. <laughs> Uh, this episode was written by Hayley Hall. Uh, she wrote uh, season one, episode six of The Witcher, so stayed on board for season two as well. Uh, John, do you want to give us your synopsis for episode five of The Witcher? Turn your back. Sure. Rientz, a powerful fire mage, is freed from prison and tasked to find Ciri by the sorceress Lydia, who is serving an unknown master. Geralt and Istred travel to the fallen monolith outside Sintra. Meanwhile, Yennefer, having disembarked from the rescue ship, frees Yaskia from Rientz. They are then separated and captured by city guards. Vesemir reveals his plan to create new witches to Ciri, who agrees but insists on being the first candidate. Investigating the ruins of the monolith, Geralt and Istred hypothesize that the monoliths are gateways that, when activated, allow monsters to enter their world. Geralt learns from Istred that Yennefer is alive. Triss, attempting to dissuade Ciri from the experiment to become a witcher, conducts a ritual in the hope of discovering Ciri's source of power. They uncover Ithilene's prophecy, which predicts that a child of the Elder Blood will destroy the world. Ciri's powers activate the Sintra monolith, causing a Schoenabog to appear before flying off into the skies above the continent. Geralt portals back to Kermorhen, stopping Ciri from taking part in the conversion to a witcher. Cahir, meanwhile, arrives at Sintra, and Yennefer summons the Deathless Mother and disappears. She is tasked with delivering Ciri to a location outside Sintra. Excellent. Lots of stuff uh, going on in this episode, and 
Great news. Yasker's still alive. Uh, we weren't sure what happened to him at the end of episode four. So, uh, yes. so kind, of, kind of great that we have him and great that we have even more time with him and uh, him and Yennefer in this episode. Just a damaged loose is all he needs to worry about replacing. <laughs> exactly. Yes, he can't play on his leash. That's right. That's uh, been destroyed in the last episode. Uh, where do we want to start with our big moments for episode five? Who wants to kick us off? Chris, do you want to take us off? With the, I'll jump in. This is point? one that I actually really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the storyline which was kind of touched on at the end of the last episode, which is that Ciri's blood being elder blood, and elder blood was one of the main ingredients in the um, the mutagens that create witchers, or part of the creation process for witchers. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and with that, essentially, we do get Vesemir becoming a giddy schoolchild, being able to repopulate his school of the wolf witchers mm-hmm. um, using uh, Ciri's blood and how he then approaches Ciri and gets her agreement Yeah, on the basis that she will be the first. And seeing that storyline play out throughout the majority of the episode it's kind of spaced out right to the end mm-hmm. where Geralt intervenes um, seeing this is so interesting because okay I I, I I don't side with Vesemir in that it he kills a lot of kids with the creation well, yeah. but I would like to see more witchers being born um, because it is and we we're not spoiling later episodes, but there's definitely less and less witchers in the world by the end of this episode and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So the ability to recreate an essential workforce like the witchers um, is important. So I really enjoy this, and I enjoy the push and pull between both Triss, Siri, Vesemir. Geralt, the whole storyline of like, but then finding out at the end, like, Geralt just going, no, don't do this. I will be your protector. I will chain you, blah, 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 blah. You don't need to be more. You're perfect the way you are, which is a nice cap on series aspect, which kind of like, you're great. Don't forget, you're an elder blood and you're a magician and you're pretty good with the sword because you're training with all the witchers. You don't need the additional enhancements. Yeah, yeah. But I, and I I kind of like that there's um there's that element that comes from Siri where she's saying she wants to be like him she, but yeah but what she's saying she wants to take from that is that she doesn't want to care about the past as much as she does she doesn't want to be scared by the past and she takes that that's a process that she'll go through if she becomes a witcher but um one of the one of the things we talked about in the in our last uh, discussion was about the uh the prequel uh, animated movie that come that that was uh, that's available on Netflix to watch where it kind of talks about this creation of the witchers and many of them are lost to just the process of becoming witchers and many of these abandoned children who were forced to go to the witchers and many of them are lost and it's an interesting dichotomy really in Vesemir's head this is a process that he thought was lost to time um yeah. they haven't been able to create any witchers since the last time Kermarem was sacked which was Many years ago, we don't have a, an actual, an exact timeline on it, but it was many years ago. And he's the father to all of these witchers in his mind anyway. He's very much wants to create more of them and wants to 
raise the the house of the witchers back to the, its former greatness, I suppose. So that's why, as you say, he's a giddy school child because he suddenly realizes, wait, there's actually something I can do about this thing I thought could never continue. Yeah. This 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 kind of bloodline of the witchers for him, yeah. I think. And also that Siri ultimately accepts his pitch. You know, it's Triss that is, well, only if Siri wants to. And yes. as you say, Siri is motivated by forming that bond with Geralt and also to to try and forget sort of everything that's happened previously or yeah. even just to obscure what she doesn't know about uh, her, her past and yeah. her background. So I kind of really like that. I do. I did like... Um, Vesemir sort of running through how mages effectively weaponized monsters and then started to weaponize men in the form of witches mm-hmm. in order to control the monsters that they'd weaponized. So yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that was just kind of that sort of futile um, situation that had come about from mages uh, meddling, I guess, in... in weaponizing well, things yeah, and it's, so it's the arms race isn't it? yeah it's, it is you, exactly you have nuclear weapons to defend yourself so we'll create nuclear weapons to defend ourselves from you who have nuclear weapons and then somebody else needs nuclear weapons to defend themselves and it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where everybody's creating greater and greater weapons and then some of them get out of control like the monsters of actually so, as yeah. well in in that whole process of siri deciding and, and preparing you know tris ultimately even though siri wants to uh you know does look to stop her and we have this other ceremony the dolcece um where it's i think tris calls it genetic memories or the valley of the souls so she mm. can find out about her past and her lineage so trying to sort of shepherd her away from forgetting or obscuring everything to say, well, learn more about it. But it ultimately uh, goes south quite quickly with um, when her, her visions within this memory that they walk through begin to speak to Siri and also to, um, to, to Triss. And in fact, Triss is, is grabbed by the neck and we, we see that this isn't supposed to happen, but ultimately this freaks Triss out yes, totally. And she sees the destruction that is possible from, um, Siri's power here. Yeah. And, and then ultimately it's, it's Geralt that prevents, um, Siri from, from taking the potion. He gets there in the nick of time to stop the injection from Vesemir. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, I do wonder where or if this storyline is continued in future seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, because for those who haven't seen the animated, you're just getting very short, sharp shots from Geralt's point of view of when he was a kid. Yeah. And it's not fully touched on. Yeah. It's not like, it's not explicitly stated that like one in 10 kids Sorry, one in kid, ten kids survive yeah. the process, kind of thing. Like it's not the the genocide aspect is kind of brushed over, more touched on in the anime, and probably the second season of the anime, and then the upcoming prequel series will probably dive deeper. But if you're just a, I, well, I'm here for Henry Cavill and the Witcher core yeah. right this is called the the, the central the witcher prime storyline. yes witcher prime yes much better <laughs> um 
I don't know if you'll know this. And I, I, I think, I, I think they're probably doing that for a reason because I think and we'll talk about it at the end of this, uh, this episode of our full season review. I think they're going to come back to this. I do think that this is going to be a future beat storyline. Yeah. In season three and beyond. Yeah, potentially it is. It is a, a, a key formation factor of who the Witchers are. Um, yeah. And, and that has been mentioned multiple times. I would 100% say I know a lot of people turn off from animated shows because they're, um, they're not interested in animation. We saw that with, uh, with what if during the Marvel run, for example. Invincible. Uh, Invincible. Yeah. Um, but I definitely say, you have time now between now and, and season three of The Witcher. I definitely say check out the animated film. Um, it's written by one of the writers of this show, so it's directly led, uh, directly yeah. um, given guidance from this show. So you can see that history, and um, I, I don't think we're going to see it in live action. Partly because you're talking about kids who have been brought into The Witcher uh, world, and they they are dying from uh, from yeah. this process. So. Would you want to see that in live action? Probably not. Well, the, um, the nice thing about it as well with the animation is that it, it's Geralt's journey. Yeah. And so at the end of this episode where he's he's just stopped Siri and she's explaining why she wanted to do it, mm-hmm. he, he basically says that never happens. You, you don't lose your memories. You know, you still have to confront them and that's what you yeah. should be doing. So it adds that layer to Geralt within the the live action version exactly. because you've seen him go through that and you've seen the reasons why he's going gone through that and yes he he is uh you know he's well in there with the 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 brotherhood of yeah. of the witches and the bonds that he's created we saw that with Eskel with um him mm dying eskel and but he he's saying this isn't the life for you you have Absolutely. a different journey and you need to um know who you are where you've come from because yeah. he still remembers that as even as a witcher absolutely and, and it's also a very um positive take from siri here uh one of the things that's pretty clear from from that animated version of this story is that Anybody could live or anybody could die. It's not it's not one hundred percent based on your abilities and how strong you are. So Siri could take that injection and die instantly. Yeah. And that's the end of her story, which is which is you know, there's no guarantee here. And also Vesemir hasn't done this in decades. Um they're using different processes. He's taking blood directly from Elder blood. He's taken directly from her body and creating these potions. Not that I, not that Vesemir's uh, bad at this, but it's been a long time. He's out of practice, and if he has one person to practice on, it's very possible that she could die from this, and that would be the yeah. end of her story. So, um, so it's not like there are a hundred candidates. It's just her, and I think I, I don't know whether that's highlighted well enough in the show that this could have been the end of Siri. Um, no. which is Geralt is not just saying to her you have loads of other things in your life. He's also kind of saying to her, I've seen people die that were just as strong as you before, or just as important in my life as, as you are. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really good scene and really, really important for the witchers in there. Definitely would have been an interesting end to the show, which is like, <laughs> episode, wah, wah, episode five. series dead. <laughs> oh no. Moving next season on the witcher. There is none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there you go. That's my point for this episode. Who wants to go next? John. Yes. Uh, mine is the monoliths. Mm. And in particular, 
Istrid and Geralt. I mean, first off, we see Geralt arriving by portal into Istrid uh, and the library where he is. Yeah. And I, I do like, you know, here immediately, it's all to do with these new monsters that they saw close to Kermorhan uh, that have the Stellarite. Um, that, you know, he, he's looking for this expert in monoliths, which is Istrid. And he has this theory that the monsters have been nesting in the monoliths mm. since the conjunction. And ultimately, uh, Istrid really, you know, that theory doesn't <laughs> persuade him too much. But I love that the monster's head thrown down, looking all gooey and bloody, uh, certainly sort of does persuade Istrid yeah. to, to, to take Geralt to the monolith outside Sintra, which, interestingly, given the size of the monolith that's actually in the middle of Sintra, which is huge, I was surprised that he didn't notice that this had been destroyed because it's only just outside the, um, just outside of Sintra. So I think Istred He's may... a bookworm. He doesn't look outside the window. Well, and that... also, that library. The, the windows were a bit dirty, little lines. Well, that's dusty. it. That's it. I was thinking maybe he doesn't do field work, as you say. It's, it's just literally in the books. But that they go to the... Um, it's, it's, it is hard to tell the distance to anywhere in this show because they have the kind of ability to transport themselves as close to or as far away as they need to. So, um, so going to the monolith outside Sintra, he says he's never been there before in his yeah. life, effectively. Yes, he's worked in Sintra. Um, exactly for, for a few years and is working of. for Sintra because uh, he had the the authority from Calenthe exactly. before Nilfgaard attacked yeah. and now he is kind of slightly in league with Fringilla is uh, Istras in terms of certainly saving the elves exactly. uh, and, and trying to get them to Sintra as yeah. a, a port of refuge. Really. So I guess, I guess distance in the continent in this world is all relative, really. So, you know, something could be five minutes away or it could be a portal which travels up the other side of the continent and then five minutes away. But yeah. it takes the red seven minutes. Yeah, time, exactly. So. But uh, um, I but love yes. when they get to the monolith, you know, he sees the huge kind of cavern or, or canyon that's been created mm -hmm. from the destruction of the monolith by Siri. He says this is unprecedented and they go down into the fissure and they don't see any nesting monsters here mm -hmm. um and this is where i think th this becomes really I, I guess it's the theory of of the monoliths Istrid talks about how they have been kind of communicating with 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 one another in the sense of yeah. the vibrations it's, it's this communication between the monoliths since this destruction of this one just outside of Sintra. But it, it ultimately comes that this conjunction that the, the, the monsters are effectively using the monoliths as gateways from their world rather than the idea that the conjunction brought different worlds crashing together. And so they just ended up here mm -hmm. that they, these are effectively can portal your way through to other multiple worlds yeah. were um the multiverse of the witcher effectively um and so that's it, where my head uh -huh. exactly like... so the, the monoliths are, are are conduits for the conjunction of different worlds that happened rather than it simply being pulled 
uh, and crashing together. Yeah. And that's the difference that kind of Istrid uh, gets here. And of course, this this kind of gave a nice layer to the whole, the conjunction, all the different species like the elves and the dwarves and mm-hmm. humans kind of coming together, um, sort of being or sort of forced together. And also with a lot of what happens in the 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 few episodes in particular towards the end of episode eight so it's just a nice little bit of setup really but it it just adds to the the world also as well just on a quick note istred does effectively inform Geralt that yennefer is still alive as well so that's important it is very important it is very important i must say i love um estrid in the show how he's played as the scholar because any point that there's something to investigate, he is going all in on it. You know, you see it when they get to the monolith and see the crack of the ground and Geralt, the witcher, the powerful fighter effectively is like, right, so I'm jumping down there in case there are any monsters. I'll, I'll go down there and fight. And Istra's going, oh no, I'm going too, because he cannot leave a mystery alone. We see that later in the season as well. But Istra is all about finding the answers to everything. I love yeah. that. that side of him um but i think part of the reason why and and this show definitely benefits from multiple viewings we, we watched it uh, twice or three times for uh for these for this discussion um because there's so many theories from the cast from the cast of characters here about what's going on with the monoliths what it is that they're actually doing uh when i watched it through the first time i was going oh okay the monoliths are basically like um plug hole covers that are going that are that are stopping monsters from coming through from the other side so when siri uh broke the monolith she's basically opening the plug hole and that's what's happened but it's not exactly that there are uh, no. other nuances to it and then the second time you see it through you get the other theory from from history you can't, you can't yeah. well i caught it uh the second and time. of course as we see siri's powers uh being utilized effectively in the doll deche uh that is she's been taken through by tris this activates this monolith um, causing mm-hmm. then a big rock-like, uh, I think, Chernobog to appear mm-hmm. and, and taking off into the sky. So, um, mm-hmm. yes, which sadly comes around in the next episode as well. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But we won't talk but we about won't, that. Uh, we're not going to spoil that just yet. <laughs> no, we'll get to that later. Anything else on the Istred and Geralt uh, or the Monoliths, guys? My bit was very quickly, I love the storylines. I love mm-hmm. this as a... This was not where I thought it was fully going, and it's touched on more so in the game. There's elements of it discussed in kind of books and theories, and the third game hints at places and ideas. Right. Um, but this, the this is very much a, in my opinion, very much a, a, a ten pole storyline for the the TV show, mm-hmm. and I got confused at this at part of the episode. I was like. Wait, is it this or is it this? And then at the end of the series, it's like, oh, it's this, this, and this, and that. Yeah. Cool. Now I get it. But I like how they have stretched out and they have competing theories, much like many elements of science, Mm -hmm. where you've got, they're all theories until it's proven and they do experiments and it's proven as fact. Yeah. Cool. Um, I did like this, but also the visual stylizing of it. Mm -hmm. Where the shaking of the of the overall vibrations of the monolith or the, what's left of the monolith yeah. happening yeah. just 
you can it, it it's not like it was overly expensive CGI, mm-hmm. but I think it was just well polished. Absolutely. Yeah. So and then when you overlay it on top of both of the actors doing great acting, yeah. it looks and feels just spectacular. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, another great thing about the show is how many actors they're bringing together in the second season. People yeah. haven't yeah. met each other before and having that those interactions that, exactly as you say, the reveal from Istrid that Yennefer's still alive to Geralt, he doesn't know how important that is to Geralt um, at all. This is the first time he's met him and he's being introduced through Triss. Um, so he doesn't know all those connections until, until he spent some time with him. So now there's another person in this world who knows all about Geralt and who he is. Yeah, and, and Geralt says, you loved her. And he goes, I love her. Like, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, awkward. Well, I, I guess the, the Witcher could be battering uh, your face into the bookshelves. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, or maybe future threesome. Hey, it's the Witcher. Um, it is. Well, that is true. But there's quite a lot of developments here in, in the relationship of, like, Yaskir, Yen, Geralt, and with Ciri there. Like, it all gets a little kind of complicated really it, it does of course it does sure. of course um i'm gonna take you out to our uh, onto my big points uh for the episode do, do, do. um really yell and yasker uh but to kind of kick it off we do need to talk about rience this new character that's brought oh, yeah. into the show here who's been in prison for 10 years because he went against Ciri's grandmother calanthe so yeah. uh, tying him right back into the history of this family from sintra who used to run sintra um and he's he's being uh kind of groomed for the job of finding Siri by Lydia the Sorceress. Um really like this character. He's really villainous though. Yeah. Like he really does um burn up the screen when he's on when he's on. Yeah, there. he's fantastic. Um I, I loved Rience. No, I think that's a hilarious joke, Thanks, Derek. Um, <laughs> I just thought I would try and sort of Save just time by up, by not up. laughing. Um, yeah, sorry, John. Yeah. It's just because for ten years, I love the idea that he's sitting in this prison for ten years, clicking his fingers, hoping that at some point in ten years, this fire is going to pop back out of my fingers, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's true. Um, but he is. He's a great character. Mm. He he really does uh, eat up the scenery. Um, I I actually thought he he reminded me a bit of the guy of Gisborne from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yes, I thought it was the same. <laughs> actor but it's not but he, he's got this malevolence um cheekiness i you know effectively he's been put uh to be a bounty hunter to like uh, you know to find and track yeah. siri so that she can be traded and uh, but not work he's not working for nilfgaard so you know it's one of the first clues that he thinks he he's being asked to do this on behalf of Nilfgaard, and Lid is quite clear mm. this is not uh, this is not uh, with Nilfgaard. Well, absolutely, he refuses to do to work for the White Flame is pretty much what he's saying. But Lydia convinces him it's somebody else. So uh, the nice mystery set up there as to who is he working for in the future. Uh, but he doesn't go after Siri; he goes after Yasker instead. So we get the answer to that cliffhanger, I suppose, at the end of episode four that. Who was it that took Yaskir? It is, uh, it is Rienz. So, um, yeah, it's proper peril there for uh, for Yaskir with this guy yeah. who's coming at him with uh, with flaming hands. But in fair dues to Yaskir, he doesn't give up 
any information really uh, to Rienz, despite the pressure. You know, you would think that Yasker is a character that would buckle under pressure. From where we saw him last season, he's a pretty soft definitely. Yeah, he's an artist. You know, a pretty soft kind of chap. But I suppose, given his first answer to what he thinks Rienz is looking for, he's probably been under pressure quite a few times. Uh, I love this opening answer. If it's your wife, your sister, your daughter, your your niece, <laughs> it wasn't me. The other person must have looked something like me. <laughs> and so, uh, I, lo- I love yeah. that that's Yasker's instant go-to because he obviously has been in this position a few times. But he latches onto it pretty quick what Rienz could be looking for. The fact that Yasker has been going town to town singing songs of the Witcher and songs of Yennefer and songs of Siri as well yeah. means that people are connecting two and two together and realizing that Yasker <laughs> may have a connection to the Witcher and, and a connection to this uh, this person that needs to be found. Siri is now being looked for by multiple factions. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, in fairness, Yasker does kind of say that he does know Geralt, but he's a man of few words. You will say one word and then I develop it into exactly. this bountiful song of beautiful fantastical castles and landscapes yep. and emotions and this, that, and the other. So I really kind of like that Absolutely. Uh, as well. I think um, I love just the whole image in the the inn as well with Rientz walking to Yaskia, who's bound on the chair, just clicking his Absolutely. fingers every so often. With that fire. And then doing it in front of his face. You know, using the fire to burn his his finger, his plucking hand, I guess, for his loot, and mm-hmm. just yeah, he's he's a good bad guy. He certainly is. That's exactly what I was going with. That's my day. Why they introduce him so late into the season? I'm like, he's your classic villain. Yeah. Villainous villain. Mm-hmm. He's just got that uh, the, this air of just menace about him. Add to that the 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 way he's introduced the the clicking of his fingers, the fiery aspect of him, mm-hmm. and how they framed a lot of the shots in this episode in particular to just highlight certain aspects and the more villainous they bathe him partially in shadows while he was clicking and lighting Absolutely. his fingers. So you just get these shots of bursts of light, of fire, I should say. That just adds to the sinister aspect of his character yeah, and how he's viewed. So you get that you that you are in the room with Yaskir as mm-hmm. this man is slowly about to start torturing and does start torturing only to be interrupted. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, being interrupted by Yen on her uh, her life-saving plan. Uh, and I really like this. Uh, this is kind of cool because I didn't think about it until afterwards. The fact that she's coming in playing the drunken wife uh, who's been left behind by Yasker in a, in a pub yeah. kind of thing. She does a great job of, of playing that, but it's only realizing what she does to this guy who has fire uh, coming out of his fingers. The fact that she sprays alcohol into his face and he sets it on fire instantly. It's a great plan from Yen to get the two of them out of yeah. there from this very yeah. powerful villain. It's um, the more unconventional um, fire magic that she uses by using his fire well, magic exactly. in order to effectively fire damage his face. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's an important <laughs> thing to bring into to this about about this character of Rance. He's using fire magic, and remember, over and over again, it's been said that fire magic is the is the chaos that they don't touch. The rest of the mages don't touch. That's what yeah. that's what um, Yennefer used at the end of season one in the Battle of Sodden Hill. And it, and it got rid of all of her magic. So 
this is a big bad guy instantly you should be able to tell that because he's using fire magic yeah. at will this clicking of the fingers this basic use of the fire magic so um so it's really important that i love as i say i love how she gets out of that situation and lydia kind of says why that is it's that the users unless they're incredibly powerful it draws from them like a fire draws oxygen to fuel itself so that's a real it was a real nice description of why it's frowned upon by Lydia. yeah i i just loved i love that the alcohol level is like pudging absolutely (laughs) it's just moonshine level stuff that she was sucked like like taking swigs of because to be fair meat is not going to burn like that uh-huh. like your standard beer not going to burn like that even vodka kind of not to that like this is just like 90 percent proof alcohol yeah, yeah, yeah. but remember there was a nod to that back in episode four when the two of them were drinking in the bar uh talking about how strong the alcohol was yeah there and how exactly. awful it tasted because of how strong it was so i don't think they have much of a refining process for their alcohol um but the the saving of yasker uh, doesn't last very long does it um yen is kind of nope. captured by the uh by the lady of the night that she had that she enlisted uh to find yasker she's the one that turns her into the uh to the guards in in the town and she's uh she's captured but an interesting development here we've we've had yennefer without any magic all season here but when pushed with this voice in her mind the deathless mother is able to encourage yennefer to use a spell now it's not her own magic but she's using a spell to be drawn towards the deathless mother's hush so yes um, so it does look to yaskir as if she has apparate let's use the harry potter term (laughs) from inside so it looks like Yennefer has used her magic um, for the first time in this episode, but it's yeah. it's actually her drawing herself towards the Deathless Mother, uh, who's giving her this guidance that she can get her power back, effectively. So, once again, Yen turns to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Yes. I just love this descent into depravity of Yen's character. That we're seeing, like she's fighting it. She did fight it. To be fair, Absolutely. in the first couple of episodes, she has fought this despair of her lack of power, which we've already discussed in our previous episode, uh, in the around the first four of how power or Yen's ability to control, be or to be have control, be it through her spell magic. Mm-hmm. Or being able to control the room via her skills and things like that. When she is now powerless, she, you, there was, it was starting to look like she was going to turn good. She was going to live with the elves and try and do good work there. And then when her back's against the wall, because I did think she was just going to get there and then go, you got me out. I'm good. Bye. Right. And that's not the case. <laughs> well, no, no. no. Uh, there's a push from the Deathless Mother to uh, to say that if she delivers Siri to her, she gets her magic back um, yep. effectively. And I think, again, to reiterate, it, it, the whole of the first season was Yen getting as much power as she possibly could from this world. She yeah. was becoming the most powerful mage in the entirety of the continent. And now she's got nothing. Yeah, um, It's that deal that she makes. And the Deathless Mother is showing her what she can do again it's almost like yeah. and i'm gonna yeah apparate you now yeah and it's like it just sweetens the deal exactly uh, or it tempts uh yen more so for this 
trade um to get her magic back uh, by trading Siri. Yeah. Yeah. Um anything else from the episode that we haven't talked about that was my uh, my major point to talk about anything else from the episode that we wanted to touch on before we move on to the next episode? No, nope, not from me. Not from me. John, uh how would you score this episode out of 5? I'd give this uh, four and a half piglets out of five. And um, yes, I thought uh, I just I, I just thought this was a really great introduction uh-huh. of Rience. Uh You've got the whole new Witcher creation and, and the obsession of Vesemir. You know, he sees the the fragility of of the Witcher's uh, position. We have Yaskia being saved by Yennefer. Yennefer taking the deal. Um, Triss's understanding of just how powerful Siri is and mm. what she might mean to this world. And of course, uh, you know, in the same vein as The Simpsons, we've got monoliths, <laughs> monoliths, <laughs> monoliths. Excellent. Now, John, my notes are, are a bit lighter when we're doing uh, four episodes at the same time. Um, so, do you want? Do I want to ask you to explain why four piglets, four and a half piglets out of five, or should I not? I think there's a term of endearment said. Um, I, I can't remember who it's to now, but I think it's Yennefer. So, uh, she calls someone piglets or right. something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to episode six of The Witcher. Enjoy your last walk across the meadow and through the mist. Be not afraid of her, for she is your friend. And we're back with episode six of The Witcher, Dear Friend, dot, 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 to give it its full title. <laughs> uh, once again, based on the book series by Andres Sapkowski and the game series by CD Projekt Red, showrunner Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich. Uh, this episode was directed by Louise Hooper, a British director, many, many shows under her belt. But very interestingly, we will be covering another show that she has directed. She's done two episodes of Neil Gaiman's Sandman adaptation for Netflix. I'm so excited for that. Really I know exactly. we still don't have a date. You know what? It's gonna it's gonna end up in March. I'm just betting you. <laughs> it's gonna end up right first week in April. Surprise! Uh-huh. I'm like, God damn it, no! It, it'll come, <laughs> and unfortunately, Netflix. So it's all gonna drop in one day as well. Uh, yeah, which is the sad part about it. But really excited to see it, and uh, really excited to see what Louise Hooper does over there on the Sandman. Especially with Dream. Uh-huh. There we go. The episode was written by Matthew D'Ambrosio. He's been a staff writer on the entirety of this show uh, right from the start. Uh, also a script coordinator on season one of the Umbrella Academy as well. So another Umbrella Academy alumni. Very good. Yeah, yeah we're seeing where all these people are meeting. Yeah. I feel like we're going to get, you know, the uh, the post-work drinks tales where they all uh, got together and had, had loads of fun together. And that's why they're all working on each other's shows, you know. I'm just waiting for the final Avengers moment. These are all the or the, these are all just like the the smaller ones. So when we get to Endgame, mm-hmm. where all of them come together to write the ultimate show. Exactly. This episode was written by seventy five people who've all done all the rest of the shows that we've covered yeah. on TV podcast <laughs> industries. <laughs> but John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for episode six of The Witcher, dear friend? Sure. You're my dear friend, John. Hoping more than that. <laughs> Geralt takes Siri away from Kaer Morhen, but both are attacked by the Shenabog Geralt encountered at Sintra. Geralt's horse Roach is mortally wounded, though Geralt manages to kill the monster. At Kaer Morhen, Vesemir and Triss are ambushed by Rience, who steals the mutagens and escapes. 
Afterwards, Geralt puts Roach out of her misery. He and Ciri travel to the temple of Melitelli, where Geralt hopes Ciri will learn to control her powers. They meet Yennefer there when she arrives shortly after them. Francesca successfully gives birth to the first full elfborn in years, while Cahir reveals to Fringilla that Emre is visiting Sintra. Istred uncovers a link between Ciri and Lara Doran, a legendary elven warrior. Yennefer, meanwhile, tells Geralt that Yaskia is in trouble and being pursued by the Fire Mage, whom Geralt deduces is looking for Ciri. Rience appears at the temple with the Michelet brothers, as Geralt tells Yennefer to take off with Ciri while he holds Rience off. Yennefer and Ciri lock themselves in a room where Yennefer teaches Ciri to open a portal. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Rience, failing to get into the room, escapes, and Geralt catches up with Yennefer and Ciri as they disappear through the portal. Triss tells Tessiah of Ciri's elder blood. Ooh, yes, yes, a little knock-on effect of uh, of that vision back in episode five with Triss going to Tessiah to uh, share all of the information effectively. You know, we kind of thought she was keeping those secrets for Geralt and what's going on with Ciri, but she goes straight back to uh, to Tessiah and tell her all, all of the fears that she has as to who Ciri is. It's kind of interesting, yeah. Yes, it's not just Redanian or Redanian intelligence that is mm-hmm. working around here. And there's a little bit of a network going on from the sisterhood uh, of Tessiah as well. Absolutely. An interesting, an interesting point, but not interesting enough to make it into our big moments of episode six. Who wants to kick us off this time? I'm jumping in. I think you should. I, come on. Come yeah. on. I'm taking this one. Yeah. Sorry. Who knew that there was going to be pest control in this episode? Yes. There are no more cockroaches in anything in the witch. <laughs> oh, Chris. There are no bugs. There's... What the hell? Turned the saddest moment of the episode into a joke, Chris. How could you <laughs> I do know. Because it's, it's how I deal with pain That's and loss. I, I love that from the last episodes from our first part of this season, we were saying, oh, maybe this is where Roach will become more of a, <laughs> a fully-fledged character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's as not. you can tell, we didn't even watch ahead because, yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. No. I can't believe this. Like, Roach is such an integral part of this story of who the character is of the books of the TV show of the, well, the first season of the TV show Mm -hmm. and to the first episode of season two and then the game. Like, there's so much about Roach. It's kind of like in Star Wars when they killed Princess Leia. Spoilers. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, when did they do that? Oh, yeah. I, I love yeah. the fact that after um, Geralt does kill the Shenobog, that he's like, where are my swords? Rather than quick, let's get back to Roach. While, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, can you not? There's magic. No, Siri, not going to try. No, I, nothing. I, okay. I, I was prob- thinking there was going to be a little potion or, or some yeah. kind of wild flowers so just in the forest that pull just the wound pull just quickly wrap them up <laughs> well now i will say i love that they specifically answered that in dialogue where siri goes is there anything you can do for roach and and carol just reaches for his dagger to stab him <laughs> no. in it's like, but it is like putting roach out of her misery is really important of course She's yes absolutely yes. destroyed here but i do think and i'd love to talk to someone who's read more of the book series but I do think this is absolutely a product 
of the games and the gamers who've played The Witcher as to why people care for Roach as a character uh, yeah. of the horse. Because genuinely, you, you can play that game for hundreds of hours. You can sink so many hours into that game and you spend so much time with just Geralt and Roach. And he talks to Roach in, in the game. Yeah. That's kind of where you get a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the story coming uh, coming out about the about this world and this universe. I know Roach plays a part in... Um, some of the short stories, um, particularly the early stories from The Witcher. But this world is so big, and you can see it from the TV show, how many characters are in there and many stories are in there that they haven't, I don't think, injected that in the show at all uh, as to why Roach is important. You know it's important because it's his steed. You know, it's like the Lone Ranger and Silver of this universe. You know, he's never seen without Roach, you know. But I don't think it's as important to this universe that his horse be a major character. And Roach dying here is is really sad for fans of the game, but I yeah. don't think, given everybody else that dies in the show, I don't think it's as massive a moment uh, for readers of the book or watchers of the show as it is for gamers particularly. But they tried. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. From episode one, they're telling you that Roach is a, a character unto itself through his through. Geralt and Ciri talking about Roach and kind of Roach just being there and Ciri talking to Roach and yeah. they they try to build it up. So it is it's a variation of a Game of Thrones play, George R. R. Martin, where you're okay. you're not expecting a main character death. Okay. And to an element, it is a main character death. It is mm-hmm. as you said, it's a steed. It's 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 high ho silver away. Hey ho Roach, let's go. Like, it's that kind of element. And yes, it is more video game because you do spend so much time. And it is that narration mm-hmm. point where he talks to Roach a lot. Yeah. It, yeah. It's basically like the Witcher's Millennium Falcon being blown out of the, out of this, out of space yes. by, by a Star Destroyer. And um, yeah. And it's just like, you don't, you, there's sure you can get another Millennium Falcon, but it's not the Millennium Falcon. Mm, it's, another type of that so you can get another horse yeah, because Frank. and i'm hoping in season three he's gonna get rochette or roach little roach mm. or a uh, mini roach like he gets a pony maybe a tiny like, <laughs> i don't know but just something that calls back to roach bug there you go <laughs> ladybug there there yeah. that's a different one but yeah i just thought it was so i it was left of field and i did think when they as you said, that moment where Siri's like, can you do anything? And he takes his knife. I was like, this season is turning dark. Well, And that was yeah. the moment when it really kind of landed with me. And that mo- that feeling continued for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They have that, that big kind of uh, pivot moment uh, for the show. But I do love the words that, um, that Geralt says to Roach. The, uh, when you're riding across that last, that final field, be not afraid of who you meet, she is a friend. I think it's a, a lovely calming of the horse um, as it passes on. And I think that's the thing that we were talking about before, that they haven't really established that well in the show. But kind of like the Rohirrim in, in Lord of the Rings, Geralt is speaking to Roach as an equal. He's able to talk yeah. to him and Roach, Roach can understand exactly what Geralt is saying to him. This isn't a master and a pet. This is a, a, another... Uh, another being that he's communicating with just like anybody else in the continent so so when he's saying that to her 
it is it is a direct conversation. He's not. It's not just a, a platitude. It is it is going into the years. But uh, a really sad moment. But definitely when we saw the attack, and again, it, you don't know how much it is to do with what they can and can't show in in the brutality of what what's going on in this moment with the Chernobyl. There's loads of CGI going yeah. on. There's loads of blood going on. But um, but Roach reels up in the air, and Siri runs away from her, and both of us watching it thought. Uh, Roach is fine. Roach will be found in a field uh, miles away. And then after the battle, it's uh, you see Roach on the ground, and you go, "Oh, yeah. this isn't this is no, we're this isn't see fine. That again, uh, unfortunately, but they're going to have to tell the rest of the other kind of witchers mounts. She went to a good farm upstate, up you know, beside Nilfgaard. She's in a farm there for in retirement. I know. I'm hoping they make a joke like that in the next season. Oh, how's your steed? Not. <laughs> But it is a very sad moment from the episode. Sad to sad to say goodbye to Definitely. Rich, uh, from uh, from here. John, um, how about yourself? What's your big moment from the episode? Um, it's something has shifted at Nilfgaard. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we see right at the end of uh, episode five, actually, we see Cahir returning uh, through the Elven Railroad uh, to Sintra. Mm-hmm. And we also see both Fringilla and Francesca, the Elven Queen, uh, really solidifying their partnership uh, as, mm-hmm. as they had done um, in in the forest at, at the hut of the Deathless Mother. But what I really enjoyed with this episode was just that how things were beginning to change, both with the return of Cahia and we, we have Francesca saying to Fringilla that, you know, something has changed and... Um, it's she you know she tries to put it diplomatically to fringilla that you seem smaller with kahia around that yeah. she isn't the leader and um that her position has been questioned with the return of kahia uh, where he's you know questioning a sort of her eyes on the mission of the white flame which is to get siri and instead she's built this this partnership and alliance with with the elves so you know there's that relationship with kahir as well a little strained uh you know after sodden field and his 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 imprisonment escape and return you know Mm -hmm. things have moved on but it's also that it's going to the the army generals as well and maybe it's just that they've been given a shot of um dutch courage with the return of kahir yeah their their commander and um, but they're also not happy with uh fringilla's leadership and with the the alliance with the elves so i really liked how all this um were was was sort of sh- shifting along and just yeah. that that hint so that's all you kind of really got here because it plays out you know through the next few episodes but it's the hint that something has shifted that something has changed and that actually um it's the elven predicament as much as fringilla's that is more fragile or is becoming more fragile with the return of kahir yeah uh, because his focus is on siri he He's happy to use the elves, but he's not really, um, he's not got that link like Fringilla has with, with Francesca. So well, I, I really like that. Plus, then the other 
thing that really is the unknown variable for this partnership becomes the the baby that's being carried by Francesca as well and um, and that really it's a great ending with Cahia and Fringilla on a balcony overlooking all the elves celebrating the birth uh, and that a live birth of a, an elven baby yeah, and the warning by Cahia to Fringilla about its impact on the alliance yeah, but you did say it a moment ago. I was going to just interrupt you a, a second ago. You did say Kahir is not seeing it as an alliance with the elves. You absolutely said it correctly. Kahir is seeing it as he is willing to use the elves for his purpose and the purpose of Nilfgaard. Yeah. Whereas Fringilla promised the elves their safety and a, a team up and an alliance with Nilfgaard for their common goals. Um, it's very clear here that that's not what's happening. This is why Philavandrel, the the the, fa- the the husband of the queen uh, of the elves, that's why he's now sus- questioning what's going on with this group. He's being told to, to train all of the elves in human fighting styles, as if they're going to now be the forward guard, effectively, like has yeah. happened in to many many communities that have been on the outs being thrown as the attacking army uh, so they can be wiped out instead of the Nilfgaardians, effectively. So uh, it's what used to happen in um, to immigrant families coming over to America. They used to be just shipped back out to to wars uh, without yeah. being allowed yeah. into, the, into the country to earn their ability to stay there. Exactly. So, uh, and you see Cahir's treatment of Dara that he is um, fighting with. Um, well, absolutely. I've specifically written that my notes. Cahir fights Dara just to prove that he's still an a-hole. We had three episodes or four episodes where you <laughs> kind of go, Cahir, like he's gone through a lot. You know, he was, he was tortured. You know, is this yeah. maybe a nice guy? Is he turning? Uh, no. Uh, in this episode, he absolutely proves that he's still the a-hole we saw in season one. God, they hammer that home. Yes, they do. Because that's the point. That that was the whole, the whole element of this kind of this part of the storyline is just to remind you that where his alliance kind of lies, i.e., with the white flame, mm-hmm. and that he is the bad guy because they kind of want you to think. And they make you question a lot throughout the, the first half of this season of who's actually good, yeah. who is actually bad. And they're trying to, not so subtly, just go, no, 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 most of Nilfgaard are just complete a-holes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, that's who they are. They are not the good guys. They are the Nazis. They are the, the bad guys. But they are using, and they're just like, hey, no, no, they're not saving the elves. They're using the elves exactly. To- as cannon fodder, as like, and the yeah. generals alone, just showing the the evilness of the general, the, the 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 I forget his name, who pushes, who he considers another elf, off the the battlement, yeah. just to hang her, because she snuck in and they couldn't find her papers. So well, that's it. Underlying all of this is, even though the Nilfgaardians are taking in elves as as refugees into Sintra as a safe haven it's all at the direction all at the leadership of Fringilla and underneath this uh, is seething resentment and anti-elven sentiment from the generals and you just hear it in their voice and even with uh, Cahir's sparring with Dara you know he says you're just fairies Um, and Flan 
Philandriel says, well, you put all of those in the ground, you know? That's, yeah. So it, it's... That's it, not possible. It, you wiped them out. Yeah, exactly. it all comes yeah. out in the end. You know, this this underlying resentment, fear, bigotry towards elves, even yeah. by the Nilfgaardians. And that's because it is... Fringilla is being questioned here by the generals, by Cahir. There is... You know, her rock is in this partnership with um, Francesca and ultimately with the arrival of the baby, you know, Cahir's warning is that this will impact uh, the alliance, uh, this this partnership that has um, been uh, created by Fringilla. And I mean, Cahir, yes, his aim is to find Siri and it's the orders of the white flame. Yeah. But he is saying, you know, these things happen in war that you've had to be responsive to the situation. But now that I'm back, we're back on mission. This is the mission yeah. that we have to follow. Yeah. Remember he went off on that mission on his own last season, willing to sacrifice himself to get Siri. So, um, so this is absolutely priority number one for him. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a really interesting point. Excellent. Uh, anything else uh, about Francesca Fragilla and the situation in Nilfgaard at all? No, not from no. me. I want to talk about my new favorite character in The Witcher. Um, Roach? Oh, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> my new favorite character is Nineke, uh in The House of Militelli. Um I absolutely loved her from the, from the introduction of her. Yeah. Um, her yeah. opening moments, uh, the idea that she was a guide for Geralt as he was growing up and he wants to share that with Siri and wants to give her the same kind of life that he had, the good points at least. Yeah. Um, which, yes. I, which I just thought was really good after all of the complaining from Siri on the road to, to, uh, to the house of, of, um, of Militelli that he doesn't listen to her and doesn't know what she wants. I thought it was a, a, a good outcome that they get to this place where there's a lot of relaxation going on and there's a lot of moments to learn and a lot of moments to discover and uh, investigate what's going on. Something that Siri hasn't really had since, since being brought by Geralt to Cameron. It feels like the, the spa temple of uh, the continents, you know, where you go for relaxing uh, hot stone massage, a bit of mud bathing, and and so on. It's all quite zen. It feels like we're what we're going to be doing in the next uh, on our holidays. Exactly. uh, But 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 what's really what I love ultimately about it though is that say that and there is that uh, to it. But ultimately, Nenica does have another side to her. Oh, absolutely. I, I. I, I just love her reaction where she's sitting with Siri, getting the story and, you know, paying full attention with a bit of mid tea, uh, getting all the details from her and then takes it all in and gives Siri some guidance and, you know, tells her that she could be the person that saves this world with the right guidance. She, every time she speaks to Siri, she speaks in those kind of hushed tones where it's a guiding mother uh, for But of course, when talking to Geralt about her findings from Siri, um, she basically can't find a way that this situation isn't totally messed up um, for Geralt, that <laughs> there's going to be everybody in the entire continent is going to want Siri, and there's nothing he can do about it. There is the a generous sprinkling of the F-words yes, throughout her sentences, <laughs> which, especially when she's 
speaking so frankly uh, with Geralt about yeah. Siri, which I I love. Like you know, she's an effing tinderbox. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's straight to the point, and yet as you say, it contrasts with her being really supportive. Yeah, trying to tell her what she should do, sending her off with the the historian, and um, you know. Who's got a big tool? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it was just really, really good. I, I must say, yeah, Neneka, I, I hope is around again because, yeah. uh, she's, she's a great priestess here. She certainly great is. Character. She certainly is. And she does give a good, clear bit of guidance to, uh, to, uh, Geralt as well, which I really liked this idea that he has set himself as the protector of Siri. He's set himself that is his role now. He will, block the world from her he'll wrap her up in cotton wool like a lot of parents try to do when they're when they're new parents he'll wrap her up in cotton wool and make sure that nobody in the world can uh can harm her and the guidance from Neneka is no that's the wrong way to go about it you need to find the thing that's missing from her life and help her with that not just become her protector we know she doesn't need protection she needs training because she's already Mm. strong she needs training in in magic she needs training in uh, what the witchers can teach her and she needs to know her history and needs to understand where she comes from but she doesn't need a man at arms standing beside her just fighting off everything in the world so Nenica is giving the guidance that he needs to find the thing that's most that's most important that's missing from her life to make her to to improve her and to help her out I suppose yeah and this is so important as we know later Mm. But just in terms of this episode, it, it speaks volumes to the fact that she, as you said, she doesn't need a protector anymore. Yeah. She is yeah. somewhat powerful in, if you take chaos. Like, she's uncontrolled chaos. Yeah. But by the end of this episode, she really is learning to control that chaos. Yeah. She, she creates that portal with Yen and she understands that what's needed as well so when Geralt tells her to run Mm -hmm. she doesn't argue anymore and like that again calls back to earlier in the season where he turned around with when I tell you to run you run no arguing anymore Uh, but she holds her own for a split second with those the bad guys she does destroy the magical artifact (laughs) which I love this call back what happened to that she did. Yeah, <laughs> things, things tend to break around uh, yeah. around her. Yeah, absolutely. She, she's massively powerful. You know, that's that's exactly it. You know, they're they're looking at her. Um, Rience has uh, arrives at the house uh, to take his prize, effectively bringing along lots of ruffians with him. Uh, what are you yeah. going to do about it, little girl? Kind of thing is is uh, is how he reacts to Siri, and uh, she bonks one of them directly over the head to take him out. You know, it's uh, that's. Uh, that Siri, she will use what's in the room. She's she's a strong character. So uh, so this guidance is absolutely right from um from Nenica to uh, to Geralt. What is it that he can actually do for her, rather than just taking out a sword and fighting everything that comes at her? That's not that's not a purpose. Let's say uh, that's uh, not going to help Siri in any way. Uh, but the House of Militelli, that is my major point about about Nenica. But the House of Militelli itself is a massive location, really, for for the show now because we get. The meeting of our three major characters. And I know Yasker is an interesting character in the show. I get it. But this is the first time all three characters have been in the room together in the entirety of the season. Yennefer, Siri, and Geralt together trying to understand their relationship. Um, and the relationship and the connection between each other. That's where the name of the episode comes from, Dear Friend, because that is how, uh, Geralt boils down the relationship with, with Yennefer. <laughs> yeah. This is it's my, my dear, dear friend. friend. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
which I, I love because, again, it's Geralt a little bit off, um, not, not wanting to go into his personal life, keeping secrets a little bit. Um, there's way too much history with Yennefer to explain in a simple, who is this person? Exactly. Um, and he doesn't, like, the the great thing when they're sat with Siri at the table and there's lots of eyes and, like, yeah. narrowing and shifting, you know, that the Geralt doesn't know what, Yennefer's true intentions are you know yeah. he asks the question why are you here straight off you know as you say way too much history and unsure of what the present means for her to be there mm-hmm. to just turn up because he's only found out she's still alive and then exactly. all of a sudden she's there so I, I love that the it's yes there's a they're reunited I love that um you know, he is also happy in his own way, mm-hmm. but that there's an unknownness about where their friendships are yeah. um, with all yeah. three of them and, and how they're all uh, brought together. So I, I like that. But having said that, I like Siri picking up on, I shall leave you two now, you know, and, and go back to my room. To- yeah. I'll walk with you. No, no, no. You stay there. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to be really a third wheel. It's okay. Absolutely. I do forget that the first season was what, like 30, 40 years from when he accepts the child of surprise to when Siri is born to all the way when that happens at the end. So it yep. is like, I do forget, like, you think it's like, oh, it's a year or two. No, like, season one happens over the course of like 30 something, 40 years. Like, they do know each other and have had relationships for years because, like, witchers and mages age. Slowly. That's the one that always throws me off. Because um, mm-hmm. Yaskir even only joins them towards the end of that storyline. Yeah, but you're, you're totally right. But it is just great to see them all back together and trying to resolve these and just a conversation between them. Um, and there is that awesome battle in the House of Militelli as well, oh, yeah, where we yeah. have uh, where we have the gang come in. I know I kind of mentioned it there, but I do really like this battle because... It is Geralt without weapons for the most part. He eventually gets his hands on the other people's weapons, but he's weaponless. He doesn't have any of his tools that he. Well, he uses, is injured but... quite badly. Nenica mm-hmm. offers to heal him, you know, uh, post the battle. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great, great fight scene. And I just the meeting as well with Rientz, who has is not only attacking Siri. But also had attacked Kermorhan previously to yeah. get the vial with the mutagen potion, mm-hmm. uh, with Ciri's blood in it. So, uh, Vesemir injured as well. Yeah. So really, you know, he's going all out in trying to get Ciri almost a bit like the Black, uh, Knights, the Kahia in season one, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the intensity there. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give a quick hat tip to Louise Hooper, the director. Like, just the the style she uses for this fight, Mm -hmm. where, like, she even does that, the center point uh, spin. I I don't know what the best way, where basically Geralt rolls over a table Mm -hmm. and the the camera spins with him. So he's always at a center point. And then even with his fist and... Like his, he is the center point, so his fist is then moving at different speed. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful cinematography, just that really makes it feel kinetic. Yeah, I think is yeah. the best way of putting it. Very kinetic, fast. Do you know? It reminded me of 
Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Where he remember that iconic one where he kind of reloads his guns. Why <laughs> I he is his fists. Yeah. Um, it reminded you of that because it was just like, oh, it, it's mano mano here. Let's go. Yeah. There's no magic. He does use magic and everything, but there's very few parts. But anyway, yeah. absolutely beautiful. Really yeah. good. There is a great uh, magic sword combo as well, where he blasts <laughs> one of the brothers um, that have are attacking. And then he moves out of the way and puts his sword uh, yeah. so that it goes straight yeah. through his head. So I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty imaginative uh, fighting from Geralt. Really likes it, uh, to be honest. And the other thing I noticed is these brothers, the Michelet brothers. And um, it, it's actually at the start of uh, the next episode. They talk about having found uh, R- Redanian uh, coppers mm. are on them. I know we've been talking about Vildefort. But there's also another possibility where the master of Rientz, um, it, it could be on the Redanian side as well. Maybe yeah. Redanian intelligence or or the king. So yeah. just to add in another candidate to the, the lord um, that is helping uh, Rientz here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots and lots of stuff happened in this episode, probably yes. uh, more more stuff to talk about uh, but we can't get to everything unfortunately uh, in in this structure for the episode I do just want to mention as I said last episode the scholarly part of Istrid in this episode he's now been presented yeah. with another new mystery here he's trying to work out what's going on between Geralt and Ciri and who she is and why she's important and uh, and, and what what's going on there and pays a visit to um Fen and Codringer uh, the reason I want to point it out and we can possibly talk about what his findings are but just really interesting to see Simon Callow again in another show that we're yeah. covering. We saw him in the opening episode of, uh, of Hawkeye just before Christmas, and here he's playing Codringer uh, in this show. So uh, it's really nice to see him getting all that work and all these worlds of fantasy, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, uh, it's really good seeing him here. And actually, because he's got a very particular delivery and voice. Mm-hmm. And to begin with, when we first meet him as Codringer, and then it, it's... It sounds a little different, actually, I thought. I mean, it, there's a bit of it then comes in, sneaks in, yeah. in terms of how he delivers. So, But I, I really enjoyed this. And I think we do need to point out from this mystery yeah. that Istrid is investigating, you know, because he, he says to them on, straight from the off, uh, I'm looking for information on a witcher, a monolith, a mysterious girl, and Nilfgaard. Yeah. And it's that Ciri is effectively has an elven lineage mm-hmm. that has been hidden by her grandmother, Calanthea, um, and is a generational weapon um, mm-hmm. built by elves and connected to Lara Doran, who is this um, sort of legendary elf. Mm. Yes, yes. That's a really interesting idea, yeah. the idea of, of kind of planting a seed for future generations for it pays off, you know, this, this idea that there will be a weapon in 10 generations. So... It's almost a, a massive threat of make hay while the sun shines. You'll only have 10 generations. <laughs> yeah. um, and the idea that that uh, her grandmother would have hidden their elven li- lineage so you wouldn't actually know when that 10th generation comes up, right? 
Um, yeah. You know, if you don't know which is the next generation, you're not going to know when this weapon is, is created and where she comes from. So, no, absolutely. Uh, really absolutely. Yeah. Really interesting findings. Uh, again, probably talk about this uh, episode more and there's probably bits that we've missed. But uh, overall, John, what did you, what would you rate this episode? I thought this was really good again. I, I mean, this, this is um, four and a half deathly whinnies out of five uh, for sure um i just yeah again it's it, i found when i watched these four episodes for the second time and it was all in one run rather mm-hmm. than uh separated and spaced out they flowed almost as a single just so well together in yeah. terms of the story as it unfolded and i think this is the case here certainly mm-hmm. around Fringilla and Francesca and what's going on at Sintra, but also with Rientz coming in twice in this episode and the the visit to Melitelli um, as well with the fantastic Nenica. It was all just really... Um, it was fast-paced. It was action-packed. It was full of information. It was... The fighting was great. It, the acting was great. I just thought it was superb so yeah four and a half deathly whinnies out of five poor Roach. they they put they put the pedal on now mm-hmm. and they, they, they it's slowly picking up speed and momentum and that continues until the end of episode eight <laughs> as we go into episode seven yeah of our review i think we're very much uh at speed now <laughs> for the rest of the season there's so much going on in these episodes and, and, and as we said before connecting exactly what the truth of Siri is and exactly what where everybody on the continent is and in their knowledge of her or their approach to her is it has been the really interesting part of this part of the season let's get on to our episode seven discussion she's in league with a deathless mother well she sounds like a hoot who is the deathless mother Geralt well, Ethmere, the first witches were hired to imprison her. They entombed her in her heart. But someone's gone and opened up the, the door. That someone being... She wouldn't. She would. What? Sacrifice your child surprise to get her magic back? You bet your bloated bicep she would. Welcome back. We're on to episode seven of The Witcher, Voleth Mir. I haven't pronounced that correctly, have I? I think so. I think so. (laughs) That's how I would pronounce it. So I guess, well, at least we're consistently off. If we, yeah, I think think throughout the course of this episode, we will call it every pronunciation available. (laughs) We may, we may, and still probably not get it correct. (laughs) (laughs) But at least we're all aligned at the beginning of the show on how we're going to pronounce it, which is a good thing, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this episode was directed again by Louise Hooper, who directed uh, episode six, uh, written this time by Mike Ostrowski. Uh, he's a producer of the show for the whole of this season and wrote season one, episode seven of The Witcher as well. So the penultimate episode of season one. Yeah, very good. Yeah, lots of people staying on board from season one, which is uh, which yeah. is great to see. John, do you want to give us the synopsis for episode seven, Voleth Mir? Sure. Yennefer and Ciri portal to the home of a woman who took Ciri in and discover the family was murdered by Rientz. Geralt frees Yaskir from prison and asks for help finding Yennefer and Ciri, where Yaskir tells Geralt about Yennefer's lost magic and her muttered incantation. Geralt recognises the incantation and realises Yennefer is in league with the Deathless Mother, or Volathmir, a demon that feeds on pain. The two meet up and join with Yarpen Zygrin's dwarven crew. Mm-hmm. 
The birth of Francesca's baby causes the elves to rethink priorities and they decide to focus on rebuilding instead of fighting for Nilfgaard. Francesca tells a concerned Fringilla that she values the bond of blood over friendship. Fringilla travels to Artusa to ask her uncle Artorius for help, hoping their bond of blood will sway him, but Artorius dismisses her, suggesting she never had power in Nilfgaard to begin with. Frustrated with her slipping grasp on power, Fringilla assassinates four of the White Flame's generals and intimidates Cahir into vouching for her to the Emperor. On the outskirts of Sintra, Ciri inadvertently reads Yennefer's mind and sees her betrayal. Upset, Ciri has an outburst that alerts a nearby Nilfgaardian patrol, but Geralt, Yaskia and Yarpen arrive in time to defeat them. Geralt draws his blade on Yennefer and tells Yarpen and Yaskia to take Ciri back to safety at Kaer Morhen. Later, in the castle at Sintra, Francesca awakens to find her baby murdered. Her outburst of pain gives Volathmir the strength to break free from her hut prison, as the deathless mother inhabits and takes hold of her new host, Ciri. Ooh, big penultimate episode. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, yes. Juicy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bloody, if you will, as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I, I kind of love this revelation in a way, and I, I know it should have been clearer from the start of the Deathless Mother arc, let's say, but I kind of love this revelation that um, she's feeding on their pain and that she is uh, she's forcing each of the three that she's made the pact with into doing things that they wouldn't do really without uh, her guidance or her promises, I suppose, to them. Um, and that's what gets her free. Uh, I think that's a, a really interesting development in the, in the Witcher story. Uh, where we start for the big moments, John, do you want to talk about the Deathless Mother herself? Yes, it is the release of the Deathless Mother. And I mean, it is that the pain has, in, in a sense, it, it, it's built up. You know, you have... It's, it all culminates with the death of the elven baby, the hope mm-hmm. that has been pinned on the elven race, but also Francesca's utter grief, uh, as well as, uh, Fl- Flandril's grief as well of finding their, their baby, their, their, their hope murdered. Mm-hmm. And, um, this, this, this is just so, like, just builds up so nicely. I love that it goes back to, the the hut on chicken legs which um just shows her escaping and disintegrating into that fiery burst that then floats around i just thought that was a really great effect to sort of characterize this entity that that is the deathless mother Mm -hmm. Um, and as i say it, it is not only francesca but it's yennefer's guilt having seen uh, Ciri's power, realizing the potential, what she has made her feel, and that betrayal being found out, it is that feeding into the Deathless Mother as well. Mm-hmm. It is Fringilla's um, precarious position. You know, she's banked her ascendancy uh, in the eyes of the White Flame on everything and what... Uh, you know, that is on uh, a cusp of being broken uh, until she assassinates the, the, the generals. But 
it, it's all feeding into the deathless mother yeah. and i love that this idea of the the demon that feeds on pain uh, and finds another host uh in the form of syrian it's just mm-hmm. the great moment where she's you know riding back to Kermorhan and you see the the flames wisping through through the woods and and just kind of entering into her with her eyes going green like this is a powerful entity that the uh the deathless mother and i i just loved how it was captured through through this uh episode just that that building and building and building and having the realization from Geralt that she is in league with Yaskia, him understanding that incantation um uh, but Yaskia thinking uh that maybe Yennefer doesn't um have uh that Yaskia believes that she's lied to him because of the previous episode where she portals out from yeah. being uh, in prison so exactly, yeah. i really liked all of this and and just what it means as well for 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 Geralt's relationship with the Yennefer. I mean, mm-hmm. ultimately he does draw his blade on her uh, and realizes the betrayal uh, of of Yennefer to effectively his ward. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. so this this well, really this, this had a big implication, yeah. and, ma- and uh, you know is is fueling uh, a lot between the the, the three of four main characters, Absolutely. and I, I thought it was yeah. great great moment in this show yeah absolutely absolutely like it's it's it is really important here that you know at the end of last episode when yennefer is taking siri away it's you know it's almost like father handing over the child to to the mother because they're they're, they've rekindled their relationship a bit they've they've at least mended bridges at that stage and he believed that if there was anyone that siri was safe with it's yennefer um they had that conversation with Naneke in uh, in in the house uh, in last episode where she was saying, do you think that Yennefer would harm Ciri? And effectively, Geralt is, is depending on his on his past history with her and saying he wouldn't, she wouldn't. That would be the furthest thing for her mind. And yet he finds out now that he's trusted her again when he shouldn't have. Um, yeah. So, and the character that, you know, Yennefer, what she did to gain that power in season one. And yeah. having lost it, the desperation of her to have that. And ultimately, mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of a real nice moment, at, at least for Yennefer, where she realizes that that same feeling comes from her seeing Siri use that power, whether it was from the portal uh, out of harm's way at Melitelli, but also when mm-hmm. you just have that moment with... Uh, Siri trying to raise the wooden bridge up out of oh, the, yes. the river yeah. and it doesn't work uh, but she teleports them just by screaming so um, I, I just thought that was nice because it, it, it's in that moment where Yennefer says you know never uh, doubt yourself ne- always hold on to that power that you have she recognizes in a, in a sense a bit of herself in Syria yeah yeah, yeah. when well, so, you have uh, this really much good. power don't apologize for it yeah I love I love that because it's effectively yet of her trying to 
teacher to raise a bridge out of the water and you know Syria has a much better solution why don't we just transport our horses and ourselves to the other side of the river we could just do that right yeah uh, without even uh, verbalizing that I think that's uh, that's really interesting um I will say though the uh, budget on this show for contact lenses has just increased all three major characters <laughs> now have uh, different color <laughs> eyes than their yeah. eyes <laughs> yeah and that's not including like the additional ones that Geralt has to get when he kills the potioned. Absolutely, it's like yeah, where you're like he's got an extra set, where it goes even blacker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> um, I love this storyline. Uh, taking it first with the death of his mother, like she's not a witch; she's a demon. She was entrapped. The storyline just kept building and building and building and building, and the the. It it was this fine, it was this fine narrative, really well constructed. That, like the uh, layers of an onion, like like they say about all good stories, mm-hmm. kind of have many layers. We consistently find that what you thought were the motives for the 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 villain were actually beyond what you actually believed. Yeah. There was plots under plots under plots, and culminating in this escape where she doesn't even need Yennefer mm-hmm. um, because you thought like she was trapped by the witchers in the past mm-hmm. and like you saw that the, 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 the three skeletons that housed her tomb it was all just building and building to what I was not expecting as I said in the last episode they, they decided to start going dark mm-hmm. killing a baby yep. pretty yeah. dark I was expecting Oh, shadowy figure! They're going to steal the baby. That's going to be partially yeah. into next season. Getting the 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 first elf, full elf born baby, uh, like home safe. That's how how I like my brain started going quickly. Like, oh, this is how they're going to continue it on. Mm-hmm. Like, with Geralt has to find the 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 first born elf, and like that would be Yennefer's penance mm. for this season or next season to get the child. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Like. We're going to just turn all the elves against human again. Yeah, like, yeah. full-on war. And just how this built to that heartbreaking moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I say heartbreaking was just even Geralt with his sword to Yen. And he's like, Siri, just go. And he's not even budging. He's just staring down Yen. Mm-hmm. And this is where sometimes the sometimes I question the two of them as this kind of couple mm-hmm. and how that is portrayed. Yeah. And it's, I think it's more just that the Geralt is supposed to be this very stoic man yeah. of this, this beast. And Yen is this stoic, powerful witch or mage and how though they interact over the years. This one scene shows how close they were and how hurt Geralt is because exactly. essentially as you said it's that mother father yeah. the mother just ran off with the kid to potentially try and kill the kid mm-hmm. yeah. and the father found out and stopped her and the father is like how could you do this exactly how could I not have known uh, this about you that you could have yeah. been this yeah. bad yeah absolutely yeah. and because like, it, null, it null and voids so much of their feelings literally 24 hours before Yeah, yeah he's exactly. gone from she was dead to, again, okay, this is, this say the space of 72 hours. I think it's a bit less. Mm-hmm. He's gone from, she was dead, she's alive. Oh my God, I found her. 
oh my god, this is great. Oh my god, she just stole my child. Yeah. And now it's to the at the end of this episode, it's we gotta go kill the first demon ever that you made a deal with on top of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think their relationship status on Facebook would be it's complicated, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. The, the, well done, actually. That's good. Exactly. Very on point. I like that. <laughs> the the triangle is not harmonious no. by any stretch no. of the uh, imagination. Um, I mean, the other thing as well, it's, you know, I do like, um, you know, Yaskia is kind of saying as well, people do strange things, say s- strange things when backed into a corner. Like, you know, he is trying to, uh, on their yeah. sort of travels with, with the Arpins uh, dwarven crew, but it's such a great shot with the the sword to her throat and mm-hmm. um, the other thing that's really nice throughout this episode is just the whispering in the ear from the deathless oh, mother absolutely. to the protagonists yeah. from her chicken legged hut basically <laughs> um, absolutely yeah that's a really good um the larian yeah to, it to really is on the show yeah it really gives you a sense of how she's finding um ways to manipulate them to what she wants uh really interesting uh anything else on the deathless mother chris Oh, nothing much. Like we could speak for hours on this episode. I think I think we could. But uh, Chris, do you want to take us out to your big moment for the episode? Then, yeah, mine is very much just the the realignment of the stars, (laughs) bringing Yaskir the Bard Mm -hmm. and Geralt the Witcher back together again. Absolutely, and getting that emotional. Yaskir is the one that I think is was missing a lot in this season. Yeah. Um, or is actually sorry, Yaskir was the emotional foil that was missing a lot in this season. Mm-hmm. That for all the dark, despair, death, all that aspects, he was the comedic foil. Yeah, that made you laugh. That yeah. like that was able to bring a slight silver lining to a lot of the dark dark clouds that is the witcher of yeah. world and, and he softened the edges of Geralt as well which is really necessary exactly. for a character yes. as stoic as he is yeah who grunts a lot yes mm. yeah exactly mm. but you're right that that moment when they when they see each other and then you can see that Yask is not a big fan of Geralt he says it to him you know the last time we met you basically told me to get out of there you know he basically yep. got rid of me and then he instantly uh, says, ah, screw it, and the two of them hug, and they have that moment of they're back together again. You know, yeah. Geralt's apologizing in that moment to him in the wordless way that he does. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he does apologize he later does. on. Yes, on the well. horse, yeah. which yeah. was the huge moment that I was like, I wasn't expecting that. And then what you see is Yaskir make light of yeah. that. Like his follow up lines were along the lines of, oh my God, you're just being too emotional now. Come uh. on. Now. <laughs> and you see this smile creep across Geralt's face. And Henry Callow does a great, you start to see the cracks in what is that very, like, Witcher esque emotion, yeah. emotionless that Siri loves Absolutely. him for, where he's like, no, 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 there's actually more to it. But then, like, the reason I love this whole storyline with Yaskir is he brings the music, which, again, I do love. It's not toss a coin to your Witcher, but uh-huh. it's still pretty good. <laughs> and But he has, he's speaking to the mice. So, again, what we're getting is these pretty much dark moments a few minutes before yeah. 
rolling straight into this man singing to his mice. And when he gets this elation, you, he's sprung from the joint by Geralt. Mm-hmm. He pauses, runs back in and says yeah. goodbye to the mice. And I'm like, that's why you need this Yaskir character throughout. Absolutely. And I think I'm hoping he, do, he, he continues into the next season. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he is that, he's the, as I said, he's the foil. He's the, the yin to what is a very dark and emotional yang. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great character. That scene really could belong in a Disney movie talking to four, yeah. four mice or singing along with four mice. He compliments yeah. them on their harmonies. <laughs> so, uh, if, so sing no, along well, hold on. Two of them were out of pitch. pitch. Yeah. One of yeah, them was pretty good. <laughs> and, and also, of course, if it wasn't for the song itself, I doubt that song would be in a Disney movie. Uh, it it can't true. even appear in our podcast uh, for, <laughs> for, for considering the words uh, that are I in there. so wish it But could. it's really good. It's, re- it's really good fun uh, when you ask here. I also love that he can't really resist at the first opportunity to strip off in front of Geralt. Um, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> he another, got his abs back. Another confirmation yeah. of their uh, of their relationship there. He does love him. <laughs> he does love Absolutely. him. Well, it is, that is the, he is, he is happy for the Geralt. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, his nipples could hang pictures from that's after right. getting into that cold water. <laughs> yeah. Or is it just because he's in the presence of Geralt? Who knows? Uh, I think it's knows. a bit of both. It's yeah. a bit of both. Um, but that's really it. I think yeah. that my big point is just having that that the iconic duo brought back. Yeah. He is very much a Robin to the to the girl. You could say Siri is probably more. He's the Nightwing. He was the original Siri. Yeah. There you go. Oh, He's yeah. the Nightwing where Siri is the Robin. Okay, I, when you said Robin, I immediately went Robin Hood. So I was thinking because he he could be the Will Scarlet because he does oh, have the yes. Scarlet jacket and okay. so on. But okay, okay. Will I can Scarlet see is the betrayer, so that'll be yeah. Yennifer. But they get back together again. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there's loads of possibilities. Yeah, they, he's, a, he's a he's a good sidekick, but he uh, he certainly isn't uh, isn't the best man with a sword uh, around yeah. around Geralt uh, overall. Also, nice to see the return of Yarp and Zygrin, um from yeah. last season. They're yeah. in the uh, the dragon episode. Uh, last season um, a, a really brutal character great to see them all in action uh, this whole, his whole crew I also like the fact that they, they offer Geralt a role uh, offer, offer him a job uh, working with the crew as well and Geralt really politely goes oh no I'm on a mission right now but you know maybe next time <laughs> which I think is which I think is great I, I enjoyed Yaskir flirting with the, the female dwarf mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah with uh, the that was the best with the yep. he, he was like hell yeah and you're just like oh god Yes, come on. After just nearly getting like destroyed because you were flirting, thinking a mage was coming after you for flirting with a wife, a sister, a daughter, mm-hmm. and you're like, oof, okay. Absolutely. And also, this is where, uh, where, um, Geralt picks up his new horse, uh, his replacement for Roach is, uh, is in this episode as well. Uh, very curly hair for the horse. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. I don't know horses. It's very just well, but, styled. Uh, yeah. Way, it, you know? it seemed like I had a perm. Um, a little bit yeah. of a perm. It's an 80s horse. But th- it was a blowout, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I did think it was a little bit odd that Geralt got his horse to go on this mission and the whole crew went with him and Yaskir walks alongside the horse. I said the same thing. I was like, exactly. Or put him in the cart. Because <laughs> yeah. they're going very slowly. They're yeah. going at his pace, basically. Uh, if you just put him on the back of the horse, you could have got a little bit faster. But hey, um, at least he's at least he has a new a new steed uh, for um, for the ride back to uh, to Carmoran, I guess. Yeah. Excellent. What about yourself, Derek? That's everything from my side. What is your final point? 
I've taken a lot of big points uh, in our discussions about this episode so far, and I think nothing bigger than this moment with Fringilla. Um, I think this moment it was shockingly good. Um, it uh, just the use of her power and how uh, and how dark it goes in this scene where she, where all of the heads of um, the Nilfgaardians are in a room yeah. together chatting away uh about about what they're going to do about the elves and what uh, what their plan is going to be and then the the moment where everything stops um as they've all effectively downed their drink um and everybody just stops except for their eyes <laughs> yeah that was so creepy to to show them what she's done you know you know she she calls back to her training saying most of it was pretty boring i didn't really like uh what i was being trained to do as a mage except one thing i did learn botany and i did learn the possibility of uh of paralyzing people with this with this plant so um i thought that was really interesting and then the brutality that she carries out which would have anybody screaming um, on all of these paralyzed people who can only watch uh, each other die in slow motion almost <laughs> is amazingly realized. Um, and leaving Kahir alive, just explaining to him what she's just done effectively, explaining to him that look how easy it was to get to the rest of them. You no longer have power here. You no longer have power over me. And your responsibility now is making sure that the white flame our leader knows exactly who i yeah. am and what my importance is to our mission um i loved it i loved this moment and me. it's all on the back of her uncle as well artorius yes. back at artusa effectively dismissing what she's done a that she aligned with N- nilfgaard yeah but as well that really she's never had any power in that relationship anyway um because it is all about what the white flame wants and she was wrong to think that she could achieve that so she's completely um sort of down and and frustrated with that power slipping away yeah and it was she kind of called it out earlier on in the season in their conversation with um francesca she called out that really what she was trained to do was whisper into the uh into the ears of powerful people to tell to guide them in what um, Artuza wanted them to do effectively. That was her only job and that's what she was trained for and she felt the frustration of that. But now she's showing what power she really has yeah. and what she and how far she's willing to go. And in fairness, like with the knives, well, with all the sharp implements that she has, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the eye, oh, yeah. um, it's, it's the head, the side of the head, mm. then it's down the spine, uh, the spinal column, and mm. then finally into... The well, actually, yeah, the throat and up through the the chin. Exactly. So, um, yeah, she certainly went four different ways with those pointy objects well, uh, into the generals. So, yeah, like I mean, it was it was amazing. It was just kind of like the shock uh, of mm-hmm. what was happening, and it was realized so well, as you say, with Kahir looking on, going, "Well, am I next?" And because of it. Because all of that was done with the eyes, yeah. with even with the generals looking uh, from side to side, it was just really, really well realized, I thought, as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, really, really cool. You guys know I have a thing about eyes. Uh-huh. And see, like this for me just was like, this, <laughs> I'm fine with gore. Uh-huh. I'm fine with all of it. Do any sort of kind of like 
torture on the eyes or touching of the eyes. And I'm like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> um, and this was torture for me. I, di- um, I didn't have a major problem with eye stuff. I think this episode might have created a major yeah. problem with eye stuff <laughs> well, in the yeah. future. The uh, sound director cho- chose a squelchy noise uh-huh. <laughs> and a slow squelchy noise. And I was like, that was overkill. Yeah. I applaud you, but that was overkill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it just, throughout the scene, I was just like, oh, she just killed him. That's fine. Like, she's just going to scare the rest of them. And she suddenly gives her own soliloquy mm-hmm. about, and like, she basically James Bond villains it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, here is how I did this all, and here is what you're going to do. I was expecting the James Bond, like, twist where it's like, here, surprise, I was never actually like, mm. and now you're in my control. And it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, that's it. It's also the transition because she's quite slow and methodical yes. with going into Hake's eye because he's the one being, that's been giving her so much grief, really. Uh, General Hake. Well, yes, and, but and also it, he's the one that broke the relationship with the elves. He's yeah. the one yeah. that didn't treat them as equals and was. Overtly punishing them for really minor indiscretions. You know, we it, saw him hang the the elf in this episode. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Doing something really small. So but, she really takes yeah. her time then, and you see the female general next to her, kind of looking over and mm-hmm. beginning, sort of in horror to sort of see what's being done. But then she's just really fast with the knife to the side of her head, and yeah. then her eyes just sort of kind of bulge at what's just happened. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was all, it was really kind of well-conceived, the whole thing. But even the fact that none of their bodies dropped to the ground, you can just see a pool of blood uh, underneath their seats. You know, other than Frangilla's movements throughout as she's killing them, there's no other movement going on in the room than just the eyes of of, uh, Kahir being the only one left. Uh, Yeah, excellent, excellent scene. And another uh, very evil presence in this world, uh, willing to do whatever she needs to do. to stay on the right side of the white flame. So, uh, really interesting. That's uh, that's my point for the episode. A couple of quick notes, I think, just to mention. We haven't mentioned Dara at all uh, throughout these episodes. Uh, Dara is the elf that that is working for the, the Redenian intelligence underneath the elves. This is where he sends the elf back to say, I'm no longer involved in Redenian intelligence. He's he's realized he's aligned to the elves here um, and, and wants to be close to their... Uh, to their society that they're rebuilding effectively. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say I love how they've used Dara throughout these episodes because we saw him initially yeah. on the boat uh, with his massive uh, Afro haircut when he was arriving. And the next time we see him, we see him with all styled up. But he's in the background of everything throughout the episodes that are going on in Sintry. You'll see Dara in the background watching on picking up intelligence to share to the Redanians. I thought it was just really great use of the character. He seems to be getting in and out of situations to find the, to find all the uh, information that is needed for them. So uh, I really liked his use in this season, even though he's in the background um, more than he was last season. I think they've used him really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I get the feeling he'll be around more. Yeah, I hope I, so. I, I really liked his character and his relationship with Siri in season one mm-hmm. and i i think certainly with what transpires in in the last episode i i can see that it, in effect they could be adversaries maybe and yeah. who knows but certainly that you know there will be some meaning to that relationship that they formed possibly well, uh so that's that's just really nice carrying through these these seasons as well that's what 
I hope will happen as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I've just got one note. I think it's kind of quite important, at least for setting up for episode eight as well, is we have Siri driving the, the horses to Sintra with, with, um, Yennefer, uh, after they've, uh, gone from the farmhouse where they've portaled to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Siri is talking, you know, they're talking about Geralt, uh, that, you know, he has all the social graces of a wild boar. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, Siri really says, Geralt is the father I never had. Absolutely. And I don't feel alone anymore. And, and Yennefer kind of makes a quip there, but she says, oh, so you love him too, you know? So I think it's really important just that moment, how Siri sees Geralt, but yeah. also that she has listened to him as, you know, he ripped the her away from the oncoming needle from Vesemir. But she she's listening to the people around her, and I, that's uh, you know has huge implications then for the last episode. So I just thought that'd be a good uh, note to have. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's end on a final note from you, John. What, what's your rating for this episode? Uh, for me, I give this five medieval modest mouse bands out of five. Um, yeah, I just really liked it. And to be honest, I think when I watched it through a second time, mm-hmm. this tees up the last episode. Because the last episode, oh, in, yeah. in some respects, is quite simple, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening right at the end. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for me, I, I just thought this was really really good um so five medieval modest mouse bands out of five squeak squeak <laughs> excellent excellent let's get on to that final episode the season finale of the witcher season two i'm staying right here just please don't leave me i'm not going anywhere i'm staying right here living in her forever and we're back discussing the final episode of The Witcher Season 2, Family, the season finale. Um, all about family. It is. Yeah. It's not fast or furious. Well, it is fast. It goes by fast and it is quite furious. Pretty furious. fast and furious. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was directed once again by Edward Baselgate. He directed uh, one of the episodes earlier on the season, episode five. Um, the episode was written by showrunner Lauren Smith-Hisrich. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for the final episode of Witcher Season 2, Family? Sure. A possessed Ciri begins killing witches at Kaer Morhen. As the events unfolding become understood, the remaining witches, Yennefer and Yaskia, plan on expelling Valethmir from Ciri. Valethmir uses Ciri's power to uncover a monolith hidden in the hall, then portals in several basilisks. While Geralt and Vesemir attempt to contain Ciri, the rest of the witches battle the monsters. Meanwhile, at Sintra, blaming the Northern Kingdoms for their loss of her newborn child, Francesca kills human babies in Redania. Yennefer offers herself up as a host for Volithmir after apologising to Ciri, freeing the princess from its control. Ciri transports Geralt and Yennefer to an unknown world where Volithmir leaves Yennefer's body and they all glimpse the wild hunt before transporting back to Kaer Morhen, where Yennefer finds that her magical powers have returned. Geralt realises Ciri cannot stay at Kaer Morhen any longer. Meanwhile, deducing that the King of Redania is after Ciri, the Brotherhood and the remaining Northern Monarchs put a bounty on Ciri and her protectors. 
Istrid tells Francesca of Ciri's elder blood and the elves' great hope, while Emperor Emir arrives at Sintra and reveals that he had Francesca's newborn killed. He orders Fringilla and Cahir arrested for lying to him and is further revealed to be Ciri's father, Dunny. Excellent. Big reveals and big setups for the third season of The Witcher, which we know is coming as well. Um, but the a vast majority of this episode taking place in a kind of um, bubble world inside yep. Ciri's mind. Yeah. Lots which of returning characters from season one. Yeah. Uh, I really love cool. that. I love that the the kind of yeah the memory or the bubble world mm. and it it the the voices of of Geralt and also the other witches towards the end permeating through that mm-hmm. that barrier uh, where she needs to make a choice so it was really really good and again it, it's it's this choice of of effectively being lost in this bubble world yeah. that uh, the the deathless mother has created for her to mm. enable her to be inhabit Ciri's body um, while she is rampaging in the the world of the witches at Kermoran. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, who wants to kick us off with their big moments for the episode? I'll take this one first, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. just because mine's pretty quick. Yeah. Um, it's essentially um, Francesca is going biblical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the Absolutely. the firstborn of every Redenian is dead now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like she goes hard yeah, she does. in payback and goes to Redenia and essentially kills every child, firstborn baby, every baby of age gets a mark of death, and then in one fell twist of her her hand, they are no more. Yeah. yeah. This this is pretty brutal. Yeah, large scale infanticide, definitely. Yeah, absolutely, and and a big change for this character as well. Um, she's a very powerful character, and now she's acting out of revenge. Um, for everything yeah. that's happened to her. Yeah, I I was very much expecting as the story as the storyline of the elves kind of grew throughout this season. I was like, all right, they're gonna there's gonna be the redemption arc now. Like this is where they're going with this. That they. They are going to side with Nilfgaard and then they're going to find out the evilness and then they'll kind of join the side of good and they'll have their first child and there'll be a story to go like, no baby dead. No, they're going dark side here. Yeah. Like this is at the end of this season, they are aware of who they, who Siri is. They are aware of the weapon and payback. Like they are on a, the, now she goes, she is our salvation. How that means, we still need to understand. But because, according to the prophecy, Siri is a weapon for the elves. Yeah, absolutely. And but this this biblical act of war that there's no coming back from. They are now elves are public enemy number one again because this will be. My assumption is this will be tied back, and this will be finger very much pointed on the Nilfgaardian and the mm-hmm. elves did this. They killed every baby. This goes beyond... Because, like, you could go in, they could easily just kill a couple of men. Mm-hmm. And, like, it wouldn't be as bad. Like, I was... To say this took a dark turn is being pretty lighthearted about it. Well, because yeah. it it is this... It's yeah. 
you don't work with, you don't kill animals and you don't kill babies. And this, the last couple of episodes have done both and, multiple times. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and not only that, but it's a betrayal uh, of Francesca by the yeah. people or the, that she trusted, not specifically, um, Fringilla, but from uh, the Nilfgaardians and but Fringilla's still trying to take credit from it so well, absolutely yeah I love how that story builds up throughout the episode with Kahir and uh, and Fringilla and I'm I'm still not sure at the end of the episode whether Kahir believed that it was Fringilla because he he'd made up such a good reason why she would have done this that you're almost thinking that he believes it himself that he's he feels like he's put the whole story together and is saying to Fringilla that's definitely what you did, wasn't it? You're the one that killed her to send her against your enemies because she wasn't willing to do it and you knew there was a way to twist the knife. You knew there was a way to twist her around to your way of doing things. Isn't that right, Fringilla? And Fringilla's kind of going, uh, yes, I guess so. We did See, it. I, we did yeah. it. We'll tell the Emperor that we did it. <laughs> I took it as he did it and he was like, this is, I told you, you, you told me to back you and I'm going to back you. Mm-hmm. So, I did it, but we did it. You did it. You led with this. We, like, I, that's how I took this. Yeah. And it's not until like, right at the end, you're like, uh, oh. Well, absolutely. And it gets them into some massive trouble at the end. Yeah. They've, they are waiting for the arrival of Amir, the, the emperor that they've been following, the white flame, his arrival. And this is what they were going to put on a platter to say, this is why we are the people you should be trusting as leaders of, of the Nilfgaardian army. And because they do that, and he knows exactly what happened to the baby of, of Francesca, because he's the one that ordered it. Because they've tried to claim this, that's them on the outs. Effectively, they need to be arrested. They are untrustworthy in his army and need to go. Um, so uh, I love that, that machination on this side. Yeah. Particularly because it gives a great moment for the introduction of the white flame, something that we've heard about back, uh, all, all the way throughout the season. Um, so it's been really interesting to have that big moment to reveal him. It's not just a reveal of who he is. It's also the kind of things he's willing to do, uh, for his power. Yeah, agreed. Um, be very interested to see how all aspects of this story further descends into chaos in season three. We're going to get the story of more of the story of the elves in the prequel series that is probably going to air between now mm-hmm. and season three. Yeah. Because they showed the, obviously at the end of this, they we showed have the, the trailer. trailer. Yes, of course. Um, so we're going to get the introduction of the, the, the birth of the witchers. But also how what part the elves played in this and more stories of the elves. So we're going to see them. We've been introduced to them at their somewhat lowest point yes. in this, this storyline. Yeah. We're gonna see them at their highest point in the storyline. And then in season three, I expect you're literally getting the Sophie's choice. They're they're like what level <laughs> they're either going to continue to side with the Nilf Guardians. And kind of continue to be an enemy of the people, or they're going to get worse. And it's like, so which of two evils are they going to choose? Yeah, I I kind of feel this episode is saying at the end about the elves that they are their own faction now. Um, They have learned that they feel the Rodanians have, have done this unspeakable act against them. As soon as they find yeah. out it's a white flame um, or anybody connected with them, well, there's no possible connection back with the Nilfgaardians again. 
and they've learned that Siri is this generational weapon, this weapon yep. that's created for them to win the fight effectively. So why would you join up with anybody else against anybody else? You're all alone against everybody else. Um, and they've been persecuted for so many, uh, so many decades and centuries by everybody else. So it feels like this is the moment when they're binding together, especially with that information from Istrid to become their own yeah. group fighting everybody and fighting back against everybody if they get that power of Siri. And I st- always forget, Istrid and Yennefer are part elf. The two of them mm-hmm. are part elf. So it makes sense that he will side with that. He will be that major mage that we have connection of who knows the whole storyline as part of the elves. Yeah. Because Cahir and Frangela are that for the elf guardians. So essentially we're getting one one or two major characters who know who Siri is in each of these factions yeah, going into the, into the next season. Yeah. But remember, there wasn't a very strong welcome to Istrid, even though he may be part elf. Once again, the uh, the idea of somebody being part elf rubs the elves up the wrong way as much as it can rub the humans up the wrong yeah. way if you're part elf. So uh, so we see that very uh, straight down the line from uh, from Francesca when Istrid's coming to her with this information um, saying that he's the one that's been helping the elves to get out uh, and get to safety. And she's going, no, you're the human mage. Um, that's yeah. how she refers yeah. to him. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. She has the information from him. Um, and he will, he will help out. But, uh, but I don't know whether they're going to rope in all of the part elves in the world. As, as I mentioned before, there's a point that says that, um, there's nobody on the continent that doesn't have some elf, uh, blood in them. So. It's just more what element or what, how much, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my major point for the, this episode, mm-hmm. just to see where that goes. I'm so, I, when you go that level of biblical, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're, you're going evil. It I'm really dead. is, just, isn't it? Old yeah. Testament. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the wording I was looking for. Thank you. Biblical Old Testament. That's, thank you. Absolutely. But, but again, you know, it's really, important to frame this correctly for them they had thought of this child as the first full-blooded elf um to be born to them their only hope and this was this is what the entirety of the elves were were aligning behind and realizing there is a future for them because they can have children now and because there's a potential that they'd be able to recreate their society and that's all been taken away by this one act so it's a it's a massive it's not just getting angry because she's lost a child. This is the entirety of the elves losing all hope for a possible future that they thought was right there in front of them. So uh, it's a it's a massive thing. And it was their combined, uh, not just the not just the, the mother and the father, but it was the combined loss of all the elves that helped freed um, the, the 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 deathless mother, like fed into her yeah. power, continues to feed her power. That can like that anguish from all the elves. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing, just coming back to Istrid, which I really, really liked, was all the time he's talking. Uh, there's just the there's owls hooting in the forest, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it pulls back where you have Redanian intelligence and uh, the listening in to the full conversation. Yeah, the leader, and, as we said before. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, exactly. And, but we see the transformation of the owl, uh, you know, in uh, Distra's um, 
quarters back in Redania. Yeah. You know, so yeah. really, really like that. So we could have been right. She could have been the leader of Redanian intelligence because she can, um, she can change into an L. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but it's just a really nice shot. Even if they hadn't done the pan back shot, mm-hmm. I heard the owl and I went, Redanian intelligence. Yeah. Like, I, that was just really nicely, nicely done. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it's going to play so big into. I, I don't even know who that character is, and I'm like, I want more information. <laughs> this is yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a really interesting idea that they have somebody that's uh, that's transmorphed themselves into an owl and is and is flitting in and out of uh, out of people's bedrooms all the time. Um, <laughs> it's a were owl. She's a were owl. It's going to be the way. It's going to be great. <laughs> it introduced where where wolves, where cats. Where ravens, you never know. You never where know. squirrels, you know, those are the really bad ones. They've got the teeth. Wow, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, do you want to take us on with your big moment for the episode? Yeah, it's it's, it's big, but it, it it's mainly um, it's the fight. It's mm-hmm. the parallel fight that's happening in Kermoran as Siri is locked in this bubble world, yeah. and you have um, the the deathless mother playing out ultimately her vengeance you know we see her killing the witches yeah absolutely three more witches murdered um by the knife of siri in while they're sleeping like that yeah a, no definitely given their and number was under 20 at the beginning of the season this the, the but numbers it, are dropping considerably it's everything here because you see the pain on vesemir as he sees more witches as she unleashes basilisks from mm-hmm effectively the monolith that has been hiding out in the witcher tree as well uh, and cracking that so i just loved all this portal that um the deathless mother creates to send out the basilisks but also you know you see them being contained as as Geralt's trying to you know He's really tried to persuade Vesemir that they have to keep Ciri alive. You can't just kill the the vessel of her body to get rid of uh, the Deathless Mother. So yeah. I really liked how, as well, even with that, they begin to peel off um, so that they can help their brothers, their Witcher brothers, to fight off these basilisks. Yeah. Um, and the, the white monster that's created... Um, uh, by um, Volmeth Mir is I love that fight with Geralt um, on the the kind of uh, bridge. I just thought that the, the fire connected them with the sword under the chin, and then as he kind of uses his whole weight to slice mm-hmm. through from the, and then knock him off. Like it was just like. So good. It really felt action packed, and I loved how it intercut then all the while with Sirius Bubble World and mm-hmm. and on all of this. But um, it it really kind of ended off where you know the, there's the realization that the vengeance that um, the Deathless Mother is unleashing on the witches. It's that Witcher hate that is making uh, Volmathmir grow stronger, and that you know she, she, they need to all sort of pull back from that and they begin you know speaking to siri in the bubble world that's when it permeates through from all the different witches so then that volmeth ultimately needs a, another vessel in which she can replace siri and reside yeah and we have yen um offering herself up here uh, as that other vessel so you know i almost to make up for the betrayal of siri but but i I just thought this was all 
it was so kind of action packed. I loved the battle yeah. with the monsters. I loved how it's taking place with a much more serene uh, Siri in the bubble world. And, and I think just Vesemir really sense, you know, I can't let any more witches die. Yeah. Uh, it's just so good. And like he does make a really good point, you know, when, when Asker died, um, effectively Geralt was saying to him he had to die. He had this demon inside of him and that the only way I could, uh, I could fix this was to, to kill him. Um, and it's thrown back from Vesemir going, well, I, I, that means I have to kill Siri, and you're yeah. going to have to be okay with that, right? Because uh, he was as close to me as Siri yeah. is to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really like that battle between the two of them, their their minds and their uh, and their opinions and what's going on. I absolutely loved uh, Geralt throwing up the shield almost without looking to stop Vesemir. You know, again, Vesemir, the one who uh, who helped to create him, the father of the witchers here and the one that would, ha- would have helped train him, is stopped almost instantly and held off by Geralt. So showing again, the power of Geralt himself. Yeah. Um, but the resolution of it again, comes back to that discussion with, uh, with Neneke uh, back a couple of episodes ago, where she said, find the thing that Siri is missing. And what's, yeah. what Siri is missing is the family. Siri is missing the people around her that will help and guide her, which is what the unified front of all of the witchers with Yennefer and Yaskier, what they're all saying is we are here for you. You're part of us. You're part of a new family now. Forget about what you've lost in the yeah, past. Definitely. Come and join us. So I love the quiet resolution of a show that's action-packed every single episode. Yep. That quiet resolution of put down your arms and tell her she is in a safe place and mean it. It's really important that this is, she knows we are the people that are surrounding her and protecting her. Yeah. Um, really, really good moment. Yeah. And it, it it's visually spectacular in that mm, yeah. there's a brief moment where before Vesemir and the other witcher put on the shield around Siri, and as as Geralt talks to her there is a split second that you think he's Vesemir's gonna attack yeah yeah like yeah. and it's only that split second later where you see Vesemir's anger and grief take over and it's just that beautiful like side swipe shot or side sword movement by Geralt to stop Bessemer's blade mm-hmm. and he continues that to unfortunately well Bessemer still stabs so what are you gonna do yeah. like <laughs> yeah. but she heals it's fine um it's that it's the the competing emotions across everything yeah and as as you said it's quiet resolution but actually, it's the self-sacrifice yeah. of Yen, like who we have seen some brutal aspects of, like her trying to kill herself in season one, mm-hmm. being putting herself, and it's her sacrifice here that brings back her power. I don't fully get that one. Whether it was the possession that we turned on the the, the pipeline for magic again, or if it was her self-sacrifice. That turned it on and like unblocked her chakras, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that either. I yeah. know that the uh, the whole premise of where Yen's coming from is that she was that um, the deathless mother is using the thing you most fear, the thing that you that that's deepest inside of you that you uh, what what you want most. Um, yeah. I feel like the battle at um, Sodden Hill at the end of season one, Yen using the fire magic that she used 
blocked Yennefer from using other magic. I don't think that sh- that the magic was lost. I think that because she used that much power out of herself, we learned this season that the fire draws on the power within. Yeah. So it feels like because she used so much of it, it had drawn it out and it has come back. But I think Yen had made almost a mental block in herself that yeah. the Deathless Mother was feeding on. So when the Deathless Mother is gone, the magic returns. I, I, I think it's something to do with that. Maybe this is the path that Yennefer goes on in season three. Why did I lose my magic? And how much have I got back? You know, maybe that's her journey in season three. Uh, but it's not a hundred percent clear why she gets it back. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's, it's great that she is involved in that sacrifice. Everybody's involved. As I say, everybody in that room is involved in making yeah. that, making that moment important. And I do love that Yask, Yaskier comes up at the end, see the witchers going, aren't we one big happy family? And they go, not you. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that again, like the comedic foil, uh-huh. it just, it adds this levity of a tough couple of moments. Yeah. And truly, um, if he hadn't been involved, he's the one that threw in this active Jasper stone that gave the inspiration to Geralt to, uh, to come up with this plan through Yennefer, but if he hadn't been there and hadn't done that, yeah. there's a possibility this couldn't have worked out. So he is as involved as everybody else. You are right, though. One of the cool things about the scene, if you watch it with the subtitles on, as we always do when we're doing uh, the reviews, one of the cool things in the background of every scene that you can't always hear, but there are subtitles of the other witchers calling for help. And that's why, uh, that's why Geralt and uh, Vesemir are breaking off at times in this big battle. They're running to help other witches, yeah. uh, which I just think is a really good touch uh, of, of of having this battle, even though there's two static, very strong witchers at Ciri yeah. uh, having a conversation. That's why they keep breaking off throughout, and it's really cool. And ultimately, with Yennefer's sacrifice in, t- in terms of uh, taking on board uh, the Deathless Mother, mm-hmm. it is then that she is actually, she arrived at the conjunction, if I understood it correctly, that she is actually yeah. simply looking to get home, to get back mm-hmm. through the monolith to return yes, home. Massive, and that's when we see Ciri transporting the three of them, including the Deathless Mother, to another sphere where mm. um, I have no idea what I saw. But I think they're the Wraiths of Morhog. That's correct. Uh, which, <laughs> which, correct. which they mentioned earlier in the season about being the portents of doom. I love, um, there is, I have no idea what I saw, but um, this is the exact spelling of it that we Googled, right? <laughs> no, I, I, I just remember that being mentioned yeah, previously. Was. So I assumed because he said, he just said Wraith. I think it's the the wild so and yes they the deathless mother forms into one of the riders on horseback and um says your places with us join our hunt and then as they charge towards them it's like quick get us out of here siri you know and Um, yeah. The multiverse it of uh, of the Witcher has been created. Um, yes, other other planes of existence. Uh, very very interesting. Very really interesting. Just a brief snippet of what's happening, and I love exactly as you said, John. Uh, Geralt says exactly the same thing. He just kind of goes, "I have no idea what I've seen, but I'll work it out. I'll, yeah. I'll keep thinking about it." Uh, the Wild Hunted, and they are last seen riding. Have we were told in episode one they were last seen riding across the sky. And now we know that they were missing a rider was why they could not go. The Deathless Mother was one of the riders, much like the four horsemen of the apocalypse here. It's the seven horsemen of the wild hunt. Right. 
right. kind of thing. Yep. And they were always, they were, it was six and a horse, and now it's the seven. Yeah. There you go. And there's a possible eighth with, uh, with Siri. Um, if, yeah. if her place is there as well. Everybody wants Siri, don't they? Yeah. And, it, yeah, and it's to your point as well, Chris, you know, the wild hunt is from northern mythology, Norsemen, well, and central and western Europe. It, it's bed into, um, the, that mythology. Um, at, so that, that, that was quite interesting. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, yeah, it, at the end of days, the brothers Grimm popularized and I think defined the term the wild hunt. But yeah, coming from Odin and, yeah. and those traditions, I think. I I always remember there's a Welsh one as well. I'm mm-hmm. sure there must be um, uh, an Irish Celtic. equivalent yeah. Um, yeah. as well. I think I, I'm probably much more familiar with the Horseman of the Apocalypse, which we covered on we, the on Good Omens. Exactly um, is yeah. is where it's coming from. Because uh, the other is in Britain, it was Woden's Hunt, mm-hmm. which is Odin mm-hmm. in in I guess Old English. Old English, yes. Yeah. Because you just added W to everything in Old English, and it was ye oldie. Well, I think <laughs> the, the Saxons and that were also of Northern, sorry, it came with them. And this is yeah. why you failed Old English in, in uh, school, Chris. Uh, it is. I just added W <laughs> to yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else on the fighting cardboard? For me, it was just, again visually beautiful to look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. as you said, like they they dropped some cash here in the CGI with the the monsters. Oh yes, they did. But also just, again, the framing of the deaths and the shots. Just, they, yeah. they know what, they know at this now, they're like eight episodes, 16 episodes in. They know how to shoot magic and the, the kind of swords and sorcery aspect while still keeping that overall kind of aesthetic that yeah. they built up with that dark, very darkened, I, I suppose I, I want to say it was a very darkened because it's indoors. I think that's more to the point. It's very darkened and shadowed because it's indoors. As soon as they got into the white mm-hmm. of Kermoran outside with Geralt like skewing, skewing, I should say, sorry, the mouth of the, the basilisk, mm-hmm. it, it brightens up so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely beautiful. And it was just structured so well in terms of how it was shot, how it was written in terms of that interplay between what's happening to actual Siri. And what's happening to Siri as a vessel, Absolutely. and what's happening with Geralt and Vesemir in terms of how that plays out? It all kind of combined to yeah, family ultimately, and it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think we've kind of touched on all the big points from the episode, all the major major points of the episode. I did just want to quickly talk about the vision um, that. Uh, that series going on because it was really nice to see um some of the characters from season one back really cool to see uh, Mysak uh, back yeah. yep. from season one and uh and of course um series grandmother Calanthe back I, I i what i really liked about it is because their relationship has now changed this is an older version of series Siri wasn't this age the last time her grandmother saw her um and I love the reaction from her grandmother because it seemed really natural seeing Siri take responsibility for her role now, um, in, in their family. Uh, even though it's in a vision, Siri doesn't know that. Um, she specs it, but even though it's in a vision, I liked seeing that relationship build, you know, this idea that Siri's willing to have her, the suitors come up and dance with her now, you know, things that she would be railing against, uh, in the, in the past because this is the idealized version of the family that she wished 
was alive. Her grandmother wasn't like this. Um, Maisak wasn't even like this. They're, they're, Maisak's really kind to her and is willing to share all the information about her family tree, you know, all of that kind of stuff. These aren't the things that she would remember them for, but this is the dream that she would have. This is the thing she's been missing. And it's been presented to her by, uh, by the deathless mother. Um, in the same way as, as Jennifer describes, finding that one thing, uh, and, exploiting it effectively yeah. so uh so i really i really like that the the vision of her parents as well um i just wanted to confirm siri hadn't had much interaction with her parents both her parents were dead when she was young um yeah. so she hadn't seen her father before definitely we'd seen her parents because there's that whole well the the reason why uh, Geralt has has the Siri as a charge is because he's the one that enabled the two of them to get together. He he got the curse lifted off Siri's father back in season one. So we we've seen these two characters before, but Siri doesn't know them at all. So uh, so interesting to see the two of them there. And I do have one question about the about how the scene ends as everything closes down and Siri makes her choice to move to go to the Witchers and leave this place. Everybody burns up. We see. Um, we see her grandmother burn up first. Then we see Mesak burn up beside her. We see her mother burn up, but we don't see her father. We don't see Dunny um, burn up within no. the scene. And it's just really interesting because he's introduced as the white flame. So why is it that he doesn't burn up in this scene? Why is he still standing at the end? Is he in some way in control of, of the plan of what was going on with Veleth Mir? Was he, was he in some in some way connecting with her is that actually him in that vision you know it, it it threw up loads of questions for me as to why he didn't burn up in the scene or were the makers of the show just trying to make sure that we had his face imprinted on us so that when it's revealed at the end that it's her father we know exactly yeah, exactly it it's, it's you know? difficult to know because i'm suspect like the white flame is also a mage or an, a magic user mm. uh to some degree i i feel i i just can't Maybe. remember from season one now because th th there's a feeling of strength you know and and plotting so he could have inserted himself into that he could be the whole reason behind the the deathless mother in the first place in order to have that moment but i i, I don't know as such whether i, I would tend towards that because he wants his daughter back and he says that at the end, you know, he's yes. looking for his daughter. I think what is really nice is how as well in terms of that final scene, I guess, I like how it connects in with you, just the three of them sat down on the bridge at Kermorhen and, and Geralt saying, the only thing I haven't figured out is, you know, how does, how did Nilfgaard know the truth about Siri yeah. before everyone else, you know? And then it's like blam into white flame, uh, with, yeah. with Emir. So yeah. I thought that was a really cool transition. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of those things where I think we, we rewound back to see, oh, well, did he start to turn to ash, do the kind yeah. of Voldemort thing at the end? But he didn't seem to be. It just seemed to be like everyone had disappeared, but yeah. we had Mausak, Galanthi, and Parvesia um, sort of ashing it, I guess, yeah. um, and disintegrating. But he still remained. So maybe it was just a thematic choice as well, maybe. as you say. Maybe. I, I, I'm leaning towards the thematic choice yeah. just based on what we know of the White Flame. And overall, the prophecy, and just because directly there was not, there's no, there wasn't many 
point of the child of surprise being the weapon or like many linkages to the prophecy, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. that we know of now. I think they have a choice within the writer's room. <laughs> like Absolutely. They can go both ways like this. Yeah. Like, they can make him as powerful as Siri to a degree. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't the, the mother's side. It was the mother's side plus the father, who was a big mage and magic user, etc. Maybe. Et yeah. Yeah. I think they have lots of choices there. It's such an interesting sh- choice for the show, because when Geralt saved him and saved their marriage and 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 led to the birth of Siri and then had child the child surprise, effectively, it's kind of a... It's a nice story. Without Geralt, they wouldn't have gotten together. Yeah. yeah. But now, without Geralt, we wouldn't have the White Flame. We wouldn't have the leader of the Nilfgaardians um, attacking yeah. all across the all across the continent and in this search for Siri. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of a a, a a knife set as to whether he's done something good or bad by getting their, her parents together. I suppose. Um, yeah. Once again, it is he, he is he, the cause of all this is lays on him. Mm. Like, it is his burden to carry, much like Siri is the child of surprises, his burden to carry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that was my uh, major point from the episode. I think let's, let's kind of lay down. There's a couple of notes that we have and a couple of questions that we have at the end of the series, I suppose, but let's just lay down where we have, uh, where everybody is at the moment. Um, so we have the return of the white flame to lead the Nilf Guardians. Specifically, yep. we hear from Amir. It's his daughter. He wants her back. He's telling everybody. He's not not shy about it he's telling them all it's siri he that that's the most important thing we have the elves on the other side istrid has told them who siri is that she's the weapon to save them for their future so they will also be after siri um then we have all the mages uh the brotherhood have convened to, because they also know who siri is what her what her uh future possibility is and the fact that she will be the most important thing for anybody who wants to take Sintra and have a real claim on it. So they've decided they will go after Siri and kill her along with anybody that's guarding her. Um, which they know is Geralt and, and Yennefer. So, um, so there's all three factions now are after Siri. Yeah. For varying reasons, but all after her now. So it's a, an interesting way to wrap up the series. Yep. And the divorced mother and father are going on a road trip with Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be full of bickering and that's going to be fun. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's cut to tension with a knife. Yeah. Um, the training on, I, I that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. How, how Siri and Yen and Geralt travel and where they go to and will Yasker come? And I can see the, f- the fun jokes there. Like that's going to be an interesting dynamic in the next season you can see fun jokes in this next season that's a that's a good thing chris uh, yeah it is, it is. <laughs> considering how dark we had it but i i you're right i do love the response from yennefer when Geralt gives her the uh the task effectively of she has to be the one to train siri and she goes i wouldn't trust anybody else other than me to do it so uh, i like that I like that yeah yeah um i i really really like that they didn't reveal who um the fire mage Reince is meeting with at the end. Yeah, me too. Um, I was expecting, and I, I'm putting the money on it being Vildeforge, uh, the the over like the other mage who who Tristani is sleeping with. I am expecting it to be him because they started to show his character not being as nice as we all expected him to be, or as altruistic by him going dark on Tessaia, like and screaming at her, and then like basically like gaslighting her to say it was her fault he he Mm -hmm. wasn't like she didn't put him and then they show her to be evil anyway (laughs) and i was like 
Oh, okay. From a certain like point this... of view, Chris. From her True. point of view, she's trying to save the cotton, of course. True. But remember, this this is the slowest build of uh, of a possible villain in the show that we have in this character because last season we saw him uh, turn on his own men and uh, take a mace to the face of of one of his own men. So, uh, so we knew he was dark. We knew he was bad, um, and we knew that he was using. Uh, Tissia to get the power at the Brotherhood, effectively. So, uh, so it would be interesting if he's the one, and it's. Uh, I think he's the most likely prospect. Yeah, yeah definitely to be, uh, yeah. to be using to be using rinse the fire mage to get to to uh, to Siri. I think he's the most likely one. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see where that kind of knits out. Mm-hmm. My final one is just who 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 is the owl mage i knew you wanted to say it yeah, all episodes that's episode. it i'm just waiting and waiting <laughs> it's so cool because i for so long thought it was like it's just they're talking through the owl and the, the owl is psychic and blah mm-hmm. blah blah like but you find out it is someone tra- transmogrifying themselves and transforming into an owl yeah and then the fact fe- i'm pretty sure it's like the books or the game explain it i haven't seen it yeah not sure or, or we did guess it that he, she is the uh, the leader of Redendian intelligence. Uh, we just didn't know that uh, she would change into a human. We thought uh, yeah. it would just be an owl that was giving all the directions. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, the interesting final bit on this is that Dijkstra being outed or confirming that he was um, Yaskir's benefactor yeah. and trying to help the elves. Which just leads way more questions. I was like, what? He's doing it to try and prop up the elves to go with the, the Nilf Guardians to make it worse or worse for them and better for the... Like, this is where the politics, mm. I'm like, okay, so why are they doing this? Or, yeah, it was a bit of a head scratcher, but I'm like, okay, see where it goes. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, is it? Because I, um, I had heard that from Dexter when he said it, and all I could think of was, um, you know, artists have sponsors, effectively. So, yeah. if, so that's how they're able to, to travel around the, the, the world here is because he's his benefactor. He's the one that's paying for it. Uh, it's only now when you're saying it that I understand that actually the benefactor that you're talking about is the person that would help to move the elves, um, which yeah. is a much more important job than just, uh, just supporting Yasker. All I was thinking was Yasker thinks he's famous and is making lots of money for his work. <laughs> um, but actually it turns out it's Redenian intelligence supporting him. <laughs> so no, it's about, it's about the movement of the elves. That makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. Interesting again. Wrapping another major character now. Uh, Yasker had no real skin in the game, um, but potentially it's going to be drawn on from Dykstra. In, in yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, very good. Uh, any last points before we close out the episode? None for me. None for me. All right. Well, John, overall, what did you think of the final four episodes of The Witcher season two? Uh, really just enjoyed the hell out of these last four uh, episodes. For this episode, I would give um, five squirrels out of five, for sure. (laughs) And, I mean, just these last four episodes, I just thought they were really tightly done, really well structured, just flowed through. And I love where they've left it for season three. So, uh, yeah, this was really, really good for me. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I'm totally with you. A really good um, season this time and really good uh, last four episodes. Um, the only complaint I have about this show is how difficult it is to keep some of the characters straight. straight. Well, the, definitely. The cast is huge and it is really difficult when I'm uh, trying to work out who works for who and where and, and, and who's responsible for this, the movement of the storyline here. And then you add in mythical creatures. Um, 
to it and, and creatures that we haven't seen before. And, you know, there's so much going on in throughout this show. And it's interesting having read one of the books, which has like, I would say a fifth of this kind of activity going on in an entire book. Like it's so, it's spread so slowly over a book. Um, in comparison to what they're doing on the show. So, uh, it, it's an interesting choice now that I can, now that I can compare the two, uh, to put this much content into one season of the show. But, uh, but I, I, I am really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the storyline. There's, there's lots and lots going on and lots and lots of moving parts. Uh, and I have to give a, a good bit of credit for whoever it is that's designing the monsters and make sure that their name is said twice in every episode. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So, so when you, the monster first appears, they name the monster and then they repeat the name of the monster. Just so you know, uh, this episode is the basilisks, right? Uh, have we got basilisks? Basilisks, yes. What type of basilisks are those? <laughs> so, uh, Stony basilisks, yes, Little, uh, little tick in the, in the, for, for all podcasters out there, just in case, uh, you don't know what the monsters are. They're, they're giving you the names. Uh, so really enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, how about yourself, Chris? What did you think of the second uh, half of season two of The Witcher? I'm very much in agreement with both of you. Um, absolutely loved it. I'm more with you, Derek, in that, like, I completely forgot Frangilla's uncle is in, the the brotherhood i completely forgot that story apart from season one mm-hmm. so there are threads that i'm just like wait what uh, uh oh like i i briefly remember aspects of that uh-huh. um so i suppose if i had to watch all of season one before like like as a yeah. kind of recap it'll all be fresh but i we don't have time well, yeah. um overall i actually loved it it sped up and it got dark oh yes very quickly um, so I, I think one of the key aspects they're going to have to bring in in season three is the choice. Will this continue to be basically the dark, dark timeline? Uh, <laughs> in that majority, like they, they made some choices where like you're killing kids mm-hmm. and you killed Roach. Like you're, you're, you're going like, like I said, dark timeline. So is it, will they continue with that level? Which I think they will. I think they're going for this storyline where this is not your, if you want a more upbeat kind of high sword fantasy, sword and sorcery, uh-huh. you go Lord of the Rings or you go Wheel of Time. If you want to go for the dark, dark stuff where there's, um, adult content and themes, welcome to The Witcher. Mm. Um, I think that's what they're going for. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, especially deeper into season three. That will be interesting. Yeah, I think you're running out of places to go to for uh, for light fantasy uh, these days. I think everything is yeah. getting darker and darker. John, one final final point before we go on to feedback. John, do you want to uh, do you want to share which characters you were confused by at the end of the season? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Rince and Amir. I just there was some similarity there in just their face and I guess their hair the way mm-hmm. it was. Um, so I, I was convinced they were the same uh, character, but just with different names. It was like this massive reveal at the end of the show. Look who it is. That's the white flame. Is it the guy that's been setting fire to everything throughout the season? <laughs> <laughs> it's him. It's Reince. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yeah, so the big reveal didn't work uh, on John until, uh, until he said the words, that is my daughter. Um, I think. Yeah, and and also, as I say, it was uh, 
I, I did think he was the guy of Gisborne from Robin Hood. That's true. Uh, Prince of <laughs> That's true. Let's get on to some feedback from our wonderful fellow witches. We'll start off with Dr. Bob Phillips, who has, uh, as I said last episode, has shared uh, thoughts about each of the eight episodes. Here's his thoughts about episode five through to eight. Uh, on episode five, he said highlights of this episode are the Jennifer reborn as a ninja spy and the dream world being more interactive than cinematic and the monolith explorer and deductions. This feels like we're moving beyond standard fantastical into sci-fi mixed stuff with multiple worlds lowlights of the episodes how does elder blood defy gravity in the bloodletting into a bottle scene <laughs> you need the casket a bit lower than that also use a syringe for that volume <laughs> that's very true, mm-hmm. that true. It, but it's elder blood it defies laws of magic as well absolutely maybe it's a uh, specific properties of this type of blood uh, good stuff <laughs> I, I like the idea of mixing fantasy and uh, and sci-fi uh, in the witcher i think that's uh, an interesting concept that's uh, that starts to come into the show this season Definitely. And now that you've seen that there is multiple worlds in the game, CD Projekt Red, you have people saying that they've seen Siri in the game or files within Cyberpunk. So oh, really? she went to there as well. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely fun. There's a nice crossover. <laughs> On episode six, Dr. Bob says they killed Roach and brought Yennefer back to kiss Geralt. Siri's dark whisperer is very unnerving. Given it's episode six, I think this is going to pay off next season, though. Love the callback to purity and the first meeting of Yen and, and Yennefer's sex party. Was that the uh, was that the unicorn story that Yennefer's that telling? That was the unicorn story, the stuffed unicorn it that uh, <laughs> Geralt and Yennefer had fun on. Yes, they did. Say it that way. Yes, they did. Uh, on episode seven, Doctor Bob says, "So much happening, going on an adventure and slaughtering baddies to rescue Siri it was a payoff I didn't expect so quickly. Nor did I think Baba Yaga would escape from the hut and bind them with the interstellar princess." I like mm. that. I like that. The interstellar princess. Uh, finally, on episode eight, Dr. Bob says, loving the armory full of potions as well as traditional weaponry. Also, Volathmir has clearly gone to the same singing teacher as Chris. Really didn't expect the monolith within the tree. That linking was like Jurassic Park on acid. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm very impressed. Uh, Francesca makes Herod look like an amateur. <laughs> I just didn't think the trio would make it back. I thought that this season would end with this setup. Thought that this was a third season setup in a voyage, in voyaging to a distant portal. Ooh, interesting. That would be, uh, yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad they made it back though. Yeah. Yeah. And it, no, and it gave uh, Geralt a final opportunity to go. I don't know what's going on. Mm, <laughs> exactly. Uh, like me. And uh, the answer is yes. The Deathless Mother and I both go to the same vocal coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a bit more guttural on my side, a bit deeper octave. But yeah, no, we're, we're good. Scream into this microphone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're homies. <laughs> With distortion. <laughs> and the Deathless Brother. There you go. Oh, there no. you go. Thanks, Dr. Bob, for your thoughts. I hope you enjoyed the whole of season two of The Witcher. Yeah, thanks so much, Dr. Bob. Yes, thank you, Dr. Bob. We also got an email from Coffee and Vodka who had said this. Greetings, remaining witchers. Oof, harsh. Uh, what a difference when you stop watching a series and start experiencing it. Decided to go for a witcher-themed birthday, went through Nightmares of the Wolf, and then the final four episodes of the series in one break-free binge. Ooh, very good. A lot to take in, and way too John Wick series for season three. Mm. The plight of the elves, political intrigue, infanticide, so much infanticide, the return of Yennefer's magic, the further depletion of the wolf witch clan, 
so much more. Despite its solid plot this time round, it ends with several shows worth of cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, not a bad thing. This is because it also ends with the entire band back together again. More or less a stable team. The lack of happily ever after Geralt and Yennefer's relationship was an excellent move. Mm-hmm. Once Rachel and Ross are back together, the show is over. Mm-hmm. Yaskier, who was three shades of irritating in the first series, was perfect in this one. Just the right amount of humor with an extra edge of sarcasm. Mm-hmm. And as always, the violence was excellently staged. Though why Roach had to be the one on the receiving end is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, sweet Roach. The few bad notes were the telegraphing of Elfin's baby's death and the appearance of Ciri's father. He was the only one not to fade in Baba Yaga's illusion. Mm-hmm. The worst being the illusion itself. It was officially a trope. She should have been in psychic chains if Baba thrives from the suffering. These, however, just barely dinged an otherwise heady experience. Four monolithic monsters, Chonolog bugs, Blonda Yaga's, an orthodontist dreams out of five. <laughs> Peace and take care. Coffee and vodka. P.S. How weird is it that the three series I'm watching, The Witcher, Peacemaker and Book of Boba Fett, are all about a professional killer trying to change their programming. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Coffee and Vodka. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, they uh, kind of professional killers trying to change their uh, life is really in right now. It's almost vogue. It certainly yeah. is. Um, Everybody wants to tell the story of the anti-hero... Yep. yep. If only they allowed us to bring back Punisher. Oh, we got we got a good season of Punisher. Oh, we did. But like <laughs> to jump Earthel back again would be amazing. It would be great. It'd be great to see him again. Um, excellent. Thank you so much, Coffee Vodka. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and, and that's a good way to spend your birthday. Hopefully, hopefully you had a very uh, good uh, birthday. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, nice yes. way to spend yeah. it with Nightmare the Wolf and these last four episodes as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Coffee and Vodka, uh, for that, and, and happy birthday. I would sing for you, Coffee and Vodka, but apparently I, we'd lose half of our remaining witchers. Or as a present to uh, to Coffee and Vodka and everybody else, you're not going to sing happy birthday. Is that too? That too. That it, it's glass half full, yes. glass half empty, glass half depending full, on how you definitely. look at it. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Witchers. And thanks, John and Chris, of course, uh, for uh, joining us all uh, to discuss The Witcher Season 2. Uh, we hope you stay subscribed to the podcast. There's lots and lots of great stuff coming up in 2022. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast by looking for us under TV Podcast Industries or go to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. You'll find all of our podcasts up there, including all four episodes of The Witcher Day. Uh, we will be covering Star Trek Picard from the start of March and Moon Knight from Marvel at the end of March. So we do hope uh, you'll join us for those brand new shows uh, coming to Amazon Prime for Star Trek Picard or Paramount Plus in the US uh, and uh, Moon Knight coming to Disney Plus. Uh, so lots mm-hmm. of stuff in there. A couple other movies we will, uh, I'm sure, be talking about. The Batman's coming out on March 4th, which I'm sure we'll be talking about on the podcast as well. So lots and lots of stuff going on. But we'll be taking a little break between now and then. We're going on holiday together, weirdly. I know. Yeah, myself and John are taking a week and uh, going off on holiday. And then we're, then we're going to be joined by Chris uh, for a few days of, uh, of relaxation and no podcasting. That'll be fun. Yes. Yes. Can't the wait. Super Bowl will be on. We will be cheering on our teams. Mm-hmm. Go football, not soccer. Football. Go yes. Bengals, Chris. Yes. Yes. The Tigers. Will the Tiger destroy a Ram? 
or will a ram use a torrent and kill and skewer a tiger? I love Who this. knows? Chris, Chris is talking like he's some nerd that's never seen football before. We've had a Super Bowl party for 15 years every single year in February. <laughs> know, and Chris is almost I, I always break, there. I can't break the nerd yeah. illusion, people. I can't. And the ram, I'm not a jock, I swear. <laughs> and the ram has had a lot of money put behind it as well. It's true. <laughs> it's been cybernetically enhanced. <laughs> Genetics. Just like, just when you think we couldn't do it, we can rebuild it. The $6 million Ram. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Maybe you'll be supporting uh, the Rams in the, in the Super Bowl. I'm up Bengals. Uh, excellent stuff. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yes. Thank you so much, fellow witchers. Remember, if you like what you hear, head on over to patreon.com and give us an old subscription. You know you want to, or just on a one-off, if you really enjoyed this, just the witcher, go on and head over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can just give us a one-off tip, you know. Thank you so much for following and listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Yes, thank you so much, fellow witchers, for joining us. Can't wait to speak to you again, probably as fellow trekkers uh, in the near future mm-hmm. with star trek picard and of course for witches season three which will be coming so yes mm-hmm. lots to come but thanks so much for the discussion and for the feedback all fantastic stuff and remember keep watching keep listening and keep witching there you go keep bye. witching i like it i like it bye bye